Hello and welcome to another episode of Monster Dear Monster, a monster exploration podcast where we take a look at monsters from their folkloric origins to their current pop culture incarnations. I'm your host for this evening, Cameron. It's me again. Hi, everybody. Uh, and we are joined by both Dave and Leonard. Dave, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, yeah, another another week has passed us by and has brought us around to the weekend where we get to talk about strange movies and or books and <laughs> most of all, freaky monsters. Mm-hmm. Leonard, yourself? Yes, I'm doing well. No complaints. Happy to... Uh, mm, uh, content to talk about one of these films and happy to talk about another. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Matt, unfortunately, can't make it on account of his knee being terribly, terribly sore, which, fair. Uh, so, yeah, uh, today we're going to talk about two films. Uh, moving on from last week's Bugathon, we're doing Beastathon, I guess. Uh, <laughs> We're talking about uh, Prophecy, 1979 film about a bear, and uh, Razorback, a 1984 film about a pig. Uh, we're going to kick it off with Prophecy. Um, <laughs> I had not seen this film before. I likely won't see this film again. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was fine, with a question mark deliberately placed at the end there. Um, yeah, this is a this is a film all about the the horrors of environmental pollution, which hey, it's a good message. I support that. Uh, it's just not a really well done film. Um, <laughs> uh, and I believe Dave, you've read the the accompanying book. Yeah, it's like a two hundred and ninety page. Oh, novelization. It wasn't. It wasn't short. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it's it's written by the same uh, writer as the movie, so oh, yeah. it it we basically just expands on yeah. the situation and the characters and gives a little bit more background and kind of set dressing. Yeah, did. oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. especially since uh, none of that was in the movie, even though the movie's <laughs> only almost two hours long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't spend its time super well. <laughs> Oh man. Uh so yeah, we open up, we're in Maine, already an iffy start. Um, and uh a search and rescue team looking for some lost lumberjacks is mysteriously killed in the woods at night. Shark horror. Um and sort of just strewn across a riverbed. Which I'll I'll give him props there. Some good looking some good looking sort of wide corpse shots. They're doing well yes. there. Uh <laughs> they they get the gore okay in this at least. Well, except for one scene, the, the only, the scene. only, my favorite scene in this movie, which we will talk <laughs> the about. Scene at, we both rewatched multiple times. Yes, at, at length. <laughs> yes. Yeah the 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 team in the book, they mm. they get like sucked off of a cliff. Yeah, and Somehow. then one one <laughs> they have two giant um, bloodhounds. Mm. And then one of them survives and is like 
airlifted around to, like later in the book to come like search because it, it's too oh. afraid it won't go back in the woods so they put it on a helicopter and then i just like it, they have it in a little harness and it's just like you know <laughs> being flown around to sniff it's that explains it's, a lot yeah, I mean, there's sure a scene early in the movie where there's a dog being hung from a helicopter yeah, that's that's the <laughs> one of the missing or the one survivor from that earlier right uh, that makes more mess. sense now yeah context helps yeah time. context is great yeah oh, it felt like a lake placid moment but <laughs> um yeah uh meanwhile over in washington dc dr robert Vern, sort of a bob ross looking kind of misanthropist uh <laughs> accepts a job from the environmental protection agency to do up a report about uh, a dispute between a logging company and a native american tribe uh over in maine in that exact same area uh his wife maggie is a cellist she's in an orchestra i actually really appreciated that a little bit it seemed nice uh, and she's gotten pregnant, but she doesn't want to tell her husband because her husband is one of those, uh, anti-population people, as it were, the, the real anti-natalist, you know, humans are a blight on the earth, why would we make more of them kind of guy, which, you know, I guess you don't always think about that when you marry someone, but... No, it was up front mm. in the book, mm. <laughs> like, that was... Something that was brought up, like in their early, like when they started dating, uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then she that... was okay with it at the time, and then over time decided like she, she didn't kids. agree with that anymore. Yeah. And um, but he's still firmly in that camp because he's he's dealing. He's a he's a doctor, mm. and he's dealing specifically with um uh, social issues cases. Like yeah, some of its welfare just kind of depends on what what. He's not in the hospital. He's like yeah. out in the city in New York. And mm. going and trying to like save people in um like row houses and things. Yeah, slum style living. Yeah. And well he's he's trying to like he's trying to bring litigation against slumlords mm. because there's yeah. large like economic issues uh, in there. And he can't get anyone to um testify um uh, because they're afraid of just getting evicted. Mm. Like understandably so. Sense. Yeah. yeah. So he's dealing with that and um, that is putting him at odds um, uh, in, in like job satisfaction because he can't like, mm. he's not really making any progress uh, and people keep dying on his watch and he's trying to, yeah. he's trying to save, he's trying to help people. Um, but it also means that he's like working on call. He's just out all hours of the day. His wife is, um, She's a, a a concert cellist and mm. is um, in a noted symphony and yes, she's super busy also. So they don't just mm. like they're like ships in the night. They don't yeah. have yeah, time for their relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that's like the that's his background. Mm. Um, and he gets roped into roped into. Um, he has a buddy that runs the EPA, like a branch yeah. of it. Or not a branch, but he's just he's high up in the EPA. Yeah, yeah. Who is working on this particular um, case, and he knows that uh, the, uh, Rob is yeah. like very passionate and is knowledgeable, and just like his whole goal is to help people. So he's mm -hmm. like, if you can head up this investigation, he's like, I know you don't have any background in this, but you can like take a 
like 10 days and then kind of bone up on mm. running tests and stuff. I mean, oh yeah, you don't have to do a lot. You just have to go like investigate. Yeah. Um, and if you do this and we win this, like this case, like whichever way it falls out, if you can make this fall out in favor of the EPA, um, this will change like lives. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a legitimate thing. Um, and that's, that's what gives the, the he, um, Rob is like, okay, this will give me like a sense of purpose again. Mm. And I can maybe fix my failing marriage by taking my wife along for the ride. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that would yeah. explain. Yeah. That's, oh man. I, mm. once again, all of this context would have been great in this two hour movie because it just feels like he then demands that his wife comes with him, even though she's got a job that she does. Because the literally the next scene is they are on a plane and she is with him with her cello, like mm, he doesn't yeah. even ask her in the film. They're just flying out. Yeah, no, they have a giant like it's a huge conversation. Um, so Maggie, <laughs> uh, yeah. because of his um, antinatalist stance, and she's yeah. fully aware of that. Uh, they yeah. they got pregnant on accident. Um, mm, uh, the the contraceptives didn't work. Yep. Um, and this is 1979, so they just um, late latex condoms. I think just started even being a thing. Oh man, it's so soon that how how not long ago that was. Yeah, it's it's relatively <laughs> recent. Um, so because they bring it up in the book, and people are talking about like, oh, you know those those like I think it's called a condom. <laughs> I mean, they just don't like know how to broach it. There's not like that sex education mm. thing yeah. being put out. So. Um, she's she finds out she's pregnant, and mm. she's talking to her her doctor that she's known for forever. And her doctor knows the score between her and her husband. He, they've just known them for like mm. ten years or whatever. And he's like, maybe he's like you should talk to him. Like, <laughs> there's got to be something we can do to like, you know, I want you to make this decision on your own, but don't just try to like, um, yeah, the child, yeah. So she's has that in her mind and then she's she she's trying to think of a good time to tell him because there's not really a good time to tell him because mm. she knows he's just going to say, you know, no, like don't have a child or I don't want mm. a child or whatever. Yeah. And he just got back from like uh, when he went to help out at um, like a, a tenement. Uh, mm. He There was a, a baby that was getting like bit by rats and things and so he went mm. to save the baby at the hospital and the baby didn't make yeah it. yeah so he's like he's facing like a crisis of like a, of, of of faith in the thing he's doing like I, he's like mm. not making any progress in it and it's just like this is the wrong time to <laughs> bring up um <laughs> hey i'm pregnant and or we're yeah. pregnant yeah absolutely. Uh, and he he knows something's wrong because she's upset and she's crying and won't mm. talk to him and he's they're they're both kind of like we don't you know we don't sit and talk anymore we don't laugh together like what what you know what do we do like our our marriage is like feels like the sham we don't why are we like living together what's this about so he's like okay i've just accepted this epa job like i feel like i can maybe have a chance to make a difference again um, but it's going to be for a few days, uh, but it's out like it's out in, uh, like it's like a camping trip. Um, there's a cabin we'll have, 
and you how about you come with me and she's like i can't i'm just like i'm, I'm literally practicing for uh, a concert coming up like i have to i have to be here and so she convinces her um the conductor i guess uh that she'll she's gonna be gone but she'll be back before the performance and she's gonna take her cello with her so she can practice her mm. her, her um uh it's not brahms it's like uh mm. schopenhauer i think nice. um anyway that that's the setup it's like she they're they they're taking this as like a, a workation like it's it's, mm. it's, it's to, they're getting stuff done but at the same time also having time to themselves away from the city to try to repair their relationship. And then she's like, okay, she's also accepted. She's like, okay, I'll go. Cause in her head, she's like, okay, we'll be gone for 10 days. And then we're away from the city. We're not doing anything else. Maybe I can like find time to tell him, like work up the courage to like work this out. So that's, yeah. that's what happened. Which okay. is all very important to like, know and then informs like their relationship throughout the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Which so, is minimal, I know. But, yeah. yeah, so instead of that, we got a scene of him looking at the rat-bitten child in an overcrowded apartment, and then being mad about that, and then accepting the job. Uh, that oh, no, yeah, it's what um, the, film. the the mom <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the book. Yeah. Because he goes in there, and it's like, you know, it's a, it's a mom and her whole family. It's a big family. Yeah, yeah. And this is like the, the youngest infant, and it's getting bitten by rats, and she's justifiably upset because she keeps mm. telling the landlord and the doctors whoever she's like my baby's getting bitten by rats and no one believes me they think it's they think that um i'm abusing him or something like uh, they're not yeah and the landlord's like rats gotta have somewhere to live too or something it's just some like yeah. bullshit uh, and it's, uh, it's bad it, it, and um yeah. so she's <laughs> upset and she like uh Rob is like, I, I gotta take the baby to the hospital. Like, come with me so we can treat your baby. You can't just you can't just be in the crib with rat bites. Mm. Um and then she's like, just take him. Like, take him to the the foster care. But you know, like oh, I wow. can't I can't yeah. afford to have like this other child. It, it's a lot. Because mm. the book's yeah. not just about environment, it's it's about like large social issues. Yeah. Um particularly because it was like nineteen seventy nine. So like a lot mm. of the stuff's still ongoing, but some things were like very, very uh, not, great. not great, and then um, uh, they, they were at the time like super contemporary flashpoint issues, mm. um, and they're all still, of course, relevant today. But it's like this was something that took a look at it, mm. like maybe not from like the best perspectives because it handles some stuff kind of weird. Um, mm. But yeah, so it's it's like really dramatic in the book. <laughs> about what what's going on with him and then like i said he didn't like the, he couldn't save the child so he just that was like the last mm. he was he's like i'm just gonna quit he, he was done yeah. until the epa thing came up yeah anyway <laughs> has like yeah little to do with the movie <laughs> itself but it really it, it, it really does because there uh um, um anti-characterization is is mm. what this movie's got going for it it's really yeah. weird that the novelization is um uh more faithful to the spirit of the movie than the movie is um I and don't so think, i think I that the novel that was based off of like his first like script like the stuff that he wanted to do mm-hmm. like this is the stuff that we need to have and then producers or you know i don't know what the um what the background is on this but like 
could have been budgetary. It could have just been like, we don't yeah. have the film <laughs> to shoot yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. Um, Shooting on like, action cut, cut out really what we expensive. can, because a lot of this is drama. That's not like, mm. it's not advancing the plot. It's just informing the plot. Yeah. So that could be part of it. I, I'm just speculating at this point. Yeah. That, but it definitely well helps. Aware. Like mm. you understand motivations, which is very important because this is yeah. like, it's environmental, but it's like a character piece, which yeah. the movie does, it doesn't do the movie favors with that part cut no. out. No. And there's no, more like throughout the, it just does that quite often. Especially mm. because most of the movie is um, the uh, character drama of, Hey, I should tell my husband that I'm pregnant. Also, um, uh, Mercury is a mutagen and he gave me a highly mutagenetic salmon. So I'm going to give <laughs> birth to a mutant turtle. Like, absolutely. <laughs> because that's what they claim in the movie. Yep. At least. Yep. It's uh, certainly something. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so they yeah, can I'll have more. When, when we get to that yeah. part of it, all like there's more. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they get out there to Maine. Uh, as they're sort of unpacking off the plane, there is a really friendly, like ten-year-old little blonde boy. He's like, "Wow, where are you guys going? Oh, you're going up to a cabin. That's cool. We're going up the mountain. It's going to take three days." And his sister looks very unhappy. Um. <laughs> oh wow! I did. I totally forgot that 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 family got introduced right there. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. This was this is foreshadowing to the greatest scene in 1979 movie history. Yes. Okay, yeah, uh, that doesn't happen in the in the book. <laughs> I mean, the other part does, but not not. This yeah. Bit. Yeah. And it wasn't in three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a couple hours, maybe. It's a couple hours. Yeah. The kid might have been exaggerating. Who knows? Um, but we. I think we they were going to be gone for three days in the. In yeah, the maybe. That's probably what it was. Yeah. Um, but we very quickly get into the heart of the uh the issue. Robert's here to investigate as uh he meets up with the head of the local paper mill, who's going to take him out to where they're staying. Uh, and then as they drive down, uh, there are a group of uh, indigenous peoples, or as they call them, Opies, which feels slurish, even though they, they claim it's short for original peoples, um, have chained themselves across the road to two trees either side of the road, because this is a protest. <laughs> because, you know, they don't have other recourses. It's another issue here. Um, government not listening to people. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this part yeah. is, I mean, this part's in the book, and yeah. this part takes place, like, almost 80 pages in, into the book. Wow. Holy crap. Um, That's a lot of setup. Yeah, because yeah. I was waiting for this, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going through a lot of book to get, like, oh, here it is. The thing that I remember <laughs> being in the very beginning of the movie. Um, mm. Because the other, the other bit that it all spends time on is John Hawks. Yes. And it... It spends probably it's a couple of chapters on hmm. who he is, like why he's relevant, why he's doing what he's doing, um, and it. I I don't remember if it got into it in the movie. I don't think it did. Hmm. So he um, is a a original member of the the native tribe in that area. Yes. Yeah. And then he 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 didn't leave willingly the um the the family that founded like the uh the paper mill mm. um 
they went into like the tribe and just forcibly adopted like several kids. Mm. It's it's not a good. It's a bad. <laughs> so mm-hmm. what? I was like, what's going on? And John Hawks was one of them. And they because they were just they were uh, they were I don't know they were like in their eighties and just. Mm didn't have any heirs to their fortune or wanted kids or I don't know. It didn't like, didn't really get into why they did other than they're just terrible people. Um, and he was the other two, one died, the other one committed suicide. It's just real bad. And he <laughs> survived, but the, the two people that own that stuff originally, like they, they died like when he was like a teenager. Yeah. And through the, like a trust fund or something that was left to him, um, he was able to uh, pay his way through school and I think like law school. So he's mm-hmm. he has uh, a, a fairly good education uh, by like any standards. Mm-hmm. And um, in the in the beginning of the book, he he's introduced not here. He's introduced um, as the main spokesperson already for the tribe. Um, in like the court proceedings and, mm. and he and he's or in the he's doing a meeting with like the state senator to try to protest um the the, the operation of the mill yeah and like the and i think it's not it's not just that but it's like the the land was purchased but it's not like purchasable mm. land like it was bought yeah. from the government but not from like the the tribes mm. so there was a lot of like other legal issues that he's he was trying to deal with um, and then yeah. he he comes back home to find out uh, that there's uh, there's like um, people getting sick and other issues going on. Yeah. And so he comes back and he's trying to help that he's like motivating the tribe to um, stand up uh, and then do these protests because before mm. they weren't. Yeah. Like they, they, they just weren't even bothering with it because they did. They they were like, oh, the mill is only taking up like this small little. Mm. mile of the forest and there you know yeah. nothing's happening no there's no real big problems they you know we we still can hunt and fish and and have our land over here yeah they're just dealing with that over there but then it's like wait actually they're processing i don't know like a tree every 10 minutes like <laughs> where yeah. they're, they're just cutting down swaths of the forest yeah um, yeah exactly you know so all that issue so he's like as a more significant character mm. Rather than he's just oh he's the guy leading the party he's leading yeah. them but it's because he actually like has a hand in trying to be able to stop this like he tried to yeah. stop it at a higher chain and it yeah wasn't working so he, now he's like well the only thing that they're going to understand is violence like that mm. it's not going to solve it but we can physically stop them yeah for a little while like that's all we got like that's our only yeah. other recourse at this point yeah. That's so yeah, now he's chained chain yeah. himself to a tree. <laughs> That's yes. great to know because yeah, otherwise he's just lead in charge of fight the paper mill man. Yeah, yeah, no, he's not. <laughs> like he he's like, um, and it goes into um, he left the tribe, so he had to come. He, when he came back, the tribe doesn't mm-hmm. trust him because he's basically just a white man at that yeah. point. So yeah. he had to like regain the tribal tribe. He was like excommunicated. It was, it was a lot going on. <laughs> it's like, yeah. okay, he had to, he had to do, jump through a lot of hoops to be able to even do this. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, and, again, and, not, in, it, not in Libyan, it's all kind of important. 
in in instead in the film we get a uh, noted indigenous american actor amanda sante uh as the as john hawks as john hawks um yeah. and he has just put a chain on the road between two trees and says no one goes up to the paper mill so that's yeah. all the context that we get for now he does yeah. imply that it, it it's it's not the uh the story that you told but he mm. does state that he has been educated in like white schools and yeah. has gone to the supreme court but there is none of that backstory about being abducted by mm. yeah, it's the people that like own the mill it's messed up it's yeah. like what i mean he, yeah. he has a personal like Stake. vendetta against this mill which is the yeah. problem is because that that's why the um the tribe is not originally they weren't listening to him because they were like no you're not trying to help us you're just mad at the that family that like stole you yeah yeah and you're just trying to get you're just trying to get back at them you don't care about like the the mill is not hurting us it's just you know it's doing its own thing over there mm-hmm. and and then of course stuff happens and it's like they're like actually yes the mill is really bad for us so do what you can john help us out yeah all right, yeah, so, um, yeah, they're blocking the road, and the obvious solution to this is uh, to get a guy to just cut down the tree with a chainsaw, and when that escalates, uh, attempt to decapitate John Hawks with a chainsaw as, yep. a, as a form of intimidation. Chainsaw um, axe fight. Chainsaw axe fight. And, it's, it's and, and somehow it is, in, it is somehow <laughs> incredibly dull. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not massively exciting. It takes um, up two pages in the book. <laughs> Yeah, incredible. <laughs> it's really oh, slow man. uh swings. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and, and then uh Maggie's like well they're gonna murder him and and uh Rob is just like yeah, but nothing'll come of it and I'm like, Wow, that's uh Jesus dude. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a- what happens in the book. It's real weird. It's like what? <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, wait, what we both, is going on? Yeah, we both watched. You work for the EPA. You just watched them murder a man with a chainsaw, and your uh, attempt to murder a man with a chainsaw, and your response mm. is, "Well, if they do, like, it won't accomplish anything." I'm like, wow. So, dude. I, in context of the movie, that's still weird. Yeah, but then in context of the book, Rob, that's. That's in line with his character because he's at this point so like fatalist, right? Because he's he's been doing this his whole life. He's like, yeah, you can't. One person can't change like jack shit. So yeah, what's it gonna matter? Like if if, if that guy dies, it's not gonna help anybody. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, you should still stop the dude trying to kill him. Like, <laughs> like you're now you're condoning murder. I think by you yeah. know by just not doing by by just now you're like. You're, you're abetting it because you're like you're agreeing with it by not stopping it right it's not a good yeah. look no it's not great no and then like the isley <sighs> dude oh man i think it's isley yeah. um yeah in the book he spent like he knew that rob or that he knew that somebody was coming from the epa and so he spent all this time like digging into his background and then so he's like studied up on him him and his wife to to cozy up to them to make sure that like the um 
the EPA stuff falls in favor of the mill. Yeah. Cause he's, he's sort of like, he's the general manager, but like the PR dude too. Yeah. Um, and he's like, Oh, is that, I see you have your cello. That's a whatever. And he's like naming like the, the wood it's made of and stuff. And it's, Which is really it's real weird. <laughs> it's, and it's really impressive because uh, it's in a case. So yeah. How, yeah. how does he know? <laughs> yeah. I don't think you can tell the model by like the case it's in. Nor, no, nor the hard case. Nor the, the, the wood that it was made out of. Honestly, yeah. pretty hard to tell when it's not in the case as well after all the varnish. <laughs> <laughs> I would think so. Yeah, he's like, yeah, that's made of three different kinds of wood, and this is that's what this is the back of it is, and the insides, and he's just oh, going man. off in the book, yeah. and then the, the, it's real weird because Maggie's like, oh, that's super impressive, and then Rob's like, no, this dude's just you literally just read up on your cello. Yeah, <laughs> don't be impressed by that. It's that's also weird. So yeah, 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 but yeah, great way to cozy yourself up to the uh, the EPA agent by nearly murdering a man in front of him for blocking a road. <laughs> yeah it's like bring along yeah. your m- most angry lumberjack yes the angriest lumberjack actually all the have. all the lumberjacks are really angry in the book yeah oh yeah really angry i they mean from their things. point of view a bunch of their friends have disappeared oh yeah yes and you know when when the the locals explanation was it was the ghost bear of the forest it's like a dragon but with the eyes of a cat um you start getting some funny ideas about what might have actually happened uh, but yeah, they, they go out to their cabin, they start having a nice time out there, as uh, they sort of get ready to really check things out the following day. Robert goes fishing and sees a salmon the size of sturgeon, which is normal. Um, <laughs> After it eats a duck. Uh, yeah, 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 it, 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 full, it, on, it full on great white sharks a duck. Um, like, <laughs> he's trying to tell Maggie, ridiculous. and then she's just like, sure, whatever, yeah. and he's like, no, what's, like... I know what I saw. <laughs> it was yeah. like, it ate a duck. Yeah. Like, I can't make that up. Wow. Unless it was a duckling, but it was not. It was a full grown duck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, also hmm. the duck situation begins my real, my weird discomfort watching this movie because I'm like, there's, if there's a lot of like actual animal assault in this film yes. that I did not care for whatsoever. <laughs> We're going to get to the big one. Like, right now <laughs> yeah yeah um so yeah they have a lovely dinner uh of fresh caught salmon off the lake uh and then there's, there's a strange sound at night ooh, 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 interrupts them uh sort of rekindling their relationship a little and it is a raccoon and i need to i need to be really clear to all our american listeners if you if a raccoon acts like this and you come into physical contact with it in the way that robert is about to get a rabies shot <laughs> yep Go get a rabies shot immediately. Um, yeah, a raccoon sort of just out on the porch, acting kind of weird, a uh, little distressed, and then it just immediately goes feral and tries to eat Robert's arm. Um, and uh, yeah, we get some some very firm raccoon abuse of just sort of throwing it around the room, crushing against the wall, and then eventually throwing it directly into the fireplace. Uh yeah, but the, I mean, those are all prop stuff. But like when it's yeah. backed into the corner and he's yeah. actively hitting it with an R, I'm like, I that's messed up. Yeah. Actively dislike this movie now. Couldn't just get a little raccoon animatronic. I guess that's <laughs> way more expensive than just finding a raccoon and terrorizing it for two hours on set. 
Um, yeah, but uh, this is the point the movie should have ended because Robert should have flown back to Washington to get his rabies shot to the large hospital. Um, but the movie doesn't end there. It's all good. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, they they sort of the next day they're hanging out and John Hawks comes to find them along with Ramona. <laughs> okay, so I'll have, to, I'll have to pause you right there. Yeah, yeah, so please. In the book, <laughs> that that happens in the book. Yes. And then he immediately, like, gets out his, like, doctor's kit and mm. uh, he autopsies the raccoon. Oh, okay. And he's like, oh, it's its brain is not, it's like mush and isn't formed correctly. And none of, there's no signs of, ra- I mean, he specifically calls out, none of the signs of rabies are on this. Good thing. Um, yeah. He yeah, he's doing a full like, like necropsy, yeah. like opens its skull and like doing all the yeah things you do. I I don't I don't think he's that kind of doctor, but whatever, man. I don't know. I don't know yeah, what, what the steps he had to do to get his veterinary degree. No, instead, <laughs> yeah. instead, he and Maggie go to sleep in the cabin with the smell of burning raccoon because they don't even remove it from the fireplace. It just cuts. That's all I can yeah. assume because it just cuts to the next day. Yeah, no, he he like dissected it, and he does that repeatedly to a bunch of other animals. Oh man, well, that yeah, the dissecting nice to part. See. <laughs> yeah, because he's mean, trying to figure out what's going on, and he's like, oh, yeah, he's like, oh yeah, the brain. It's like something's. Not right. He's like, I wonder. Mm. I think he's he when it's attacking him, or once it finishes attacking him, and he dispatches mm. it. Um, he's like, it seems to like that, that's a like. I hope it's not rabid. And he's like, he's, then he's looking it over, and he's like, okay, there's no sign, like no exterior signs of rabies. It's not frothing or doing anything that like yeah. the rabid animal would do, which I don't. I think there's That's multiple like the stages of rabies. I don't think that they just immediately have foamy mouth. <laughs> yeah. Like foamy like, mouth is like one of the last stages of rabies. Yeah. When it but anyway, he out of opens the brain and apparently studied <laughs> rabid. I mean, he's, he's been dealing with rat infestations and other things. Yeah. So he probably is up to date on, on at least rabies. Would look on rabies. Like, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Like other infectious diseases and things. So that, that yeah. tracks with like his experience in the book. Um, you get none mm. of that in the movie, so yeah. <laughs> you're just like, okay, yeah. He didn't explain that. Oh, its brain is weird. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Um, I don't know. Yeah. The next day, uh, John Hawks comes to find him, and uh, not at all suspiciously says he has something to show them. Can you please follow me into the woods? Uh, and they they go along with it because uh, he reports that you know the people are ill. Uh, they're acting drunk when they haven't been drinking. Children are being born deformed, sometimes, sometimes so much so that they've had to be killed at birth. Uh, and, you know, that's the kind of thing this man is concerned about. So he's got to go check it out. And uh, they are introduced to uh, Ramona's grandfather, uh, Hector, who is an old Native American man uh, who has sort of a uh, a little campsite set up in the traditional style with the teepees uh and it's like you know this is eden this is god's creation come have a look at all this stuff and meanwhile robert's going why are these plant roots on top of the ground instead of underground and they're all swollen and gross uh and then hector pulls out a tadpole the size of like a small dog out of the lake 
<laughs> yep. <laughs> like, look, everything grows big here. And like, look at that. Like, that is definitely not right. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, he also gives a little more information about Katard and the sort of ancestral guardian of these parts, uh, part of everything in God's creation, uh, which is our first clue as to the identity of the actual killing creature here, I guess. Um, <clears throat> after this, they go and they have a quick tour of the paper mill. Uh, it is, uh, this is part of the movie I actually do quite like. You have this long sequence fully in nature, hanging out, having a good time. Uh, just experiencing the beauty of this natural forest, and then it hard cuts to like the bleakest industrial set <laughs> possible, whereas it's all concrete and sheet metal and running machines. You're like, oh, this this doesn't feel great. Look at that. Yeah. Um, Especially yeah. because they filmed in a real paper mill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's what it looks like. That's the real stuff. Uh, so yeah, getting, getting the rundown, what chemicals do you use? You know, we use some bleach in the paper, but we make sure that doesn't run off into the water system. And, uh, we use no other chemicals in the production of the paper. He says that more or less exact same sentence, like five times while being questioned, because it's a very particular answer. Gotta be, you gotta be sure about what you're saying. Um, and you know, Rob, Robert's not a hundred percent convinced uh, by this, and gets a little little shouty about it. At which point, the uh, Isley, the 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 leader of the paper mill, uh, strikes back with, "How long is this report you're going to write? A hundred pages? Two hundred? How many copies are you going to make? A hundred or so? You need ten thousand pieces of paper just to write your report. We're providing what you're demanding. <laughs> which, yeah, yeah, paper made the world go round. Still does, honestly, and most countries we've got to have a paper record of nearly everything i i really appreciate it though because he says it with like the confidence of this is the only paper mill on planet earth oh yeah absolutely I'm like, no, yeah. no one could replace us we couldn't move to a different area <laughs> right yeah there's yeah there's no nobody else on planet earth makes paper i'm like well that's mm. clearly like that's what you're implying by by saying all this but that's the yeah. silliest, like, rebuttal to his question. <laughs> He's like, but are you doing anything illegal and or harmful to the environment? Uh, yeah. No Aren't you using paper still, though? Paper. So who's the hypocrite now? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, no, that's not an argument. It's not an argument. It's like, yeah, like, it's I literally. Come back clean. It is fine. Literally that, that you participate <laughs> in society meme. Actually. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So in, this happens in the book. Um, and then Isley uh, eventually, like, allows that. So, yes, there's a we contract out to or there's, a, there's like a subcontracted company that handles um, the. Getting the logs to them. The, the log. Well, it's not to the mill. It's like there's there's overflow and like surplus logs and they have to be kept in retention uh, until they can be put through the mill mm. um and when they're in retention um they we have to keep them from like getting all uh covered in algae and mold because they're just sitting there so they may they they use 
whatever their proprietary something is. And I don't know what it is. And then Rob gets super mad because he's like, you're supposed to know, like, this is your literal job to know A to Z, like what happens in this, like every mm-hmm. step that happens. You can't just go, oh, some other people handle that and no one knows what they do. Um, but yeah, we only use bleach. It's like, no, yeah. that's, <laughs> you have to, dealing with the EPA, you have to know every step. Like it has to be approved. Yeah. Yeah. You're in charge. The subcontractors are your responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. So like that, that's what happens. And then um, before they go to the mill, um, Rob, when he goes and sees that, that um, the sacred pond, mm. like there's, there's two um, logs in it. Yeah. Yeah. And then he realizes that that's a, re- like that, that's a, re- that's one of the retention ponds somehow, mm. which is weird. Cause like, it's way um, out of the way. It's, a, it's way out of the way, and it's like a sacred space that um, the 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 grandfather's like always there. Like I yeah. think he would know that they're using it and putting chemicals in it. <laughs> it's um, even more bizarre in the movie because because he's asked he's Rob asks him about it. He's like they show up sometimes and then they disappear. Yeah, he's like twice a year they show up and then they go away. Who knows? Nature's mysterious wonders. And we're looking at like a raft of cut logs. I'm like, I don't know, man. Feel like yeah, it's in the book too. It's that's what he's, could be because he's he's um, <laughs> suffering from the mercury poisoning, like right. yeah. badly. Also, yeah. so he's not yeah, like, he's, reliable anymore. Yeah, burning his um, hands mentally, with cigarettes, but he can't feel it. Yeah, yeah, which is very rough. Yeah. But yeah, so that's like they see that, and then um, yeah, that's what that's what leads him to go. Okay, I I definitely have to go. I mean, he's gonna go talk to them anyway, but now yeah. he has like sufficient suspicion to go. Hey, what are you guys doing here? Something's not. Mm. Something's not. Something's uh, not right. up and up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, they they tell him they test the water themselves, and it always comes back clean. But you can go test it yourself. And uh, walking down to the edge of the water, Maggie slips and stands in some mud. Uh, and later on, not much later. Uh, he notices a silver deposit on her boot from where she stood in the mud. Um, and while it still acts like a liquid, it's dry to the touch because, of course, it's mercury. Yay. The only liquid that isn't wet. <laughs> Part of the test that he kept failing or whatever. It's like some... Yeah, <laughs> yeah something like that. Um, but yeah, mercury is used as a fungicide to make sure the logs are clean when they come in to be cut in the paper mill. Uh, and of course, it doesn't show up in water tests because being heavier than water, it just sinks to the bottom and sits in the silt. You know, the stuff that fish go through for food. Um, <laughs> and uh, he, I think he clarifies that it's a methyl mercury, which yeah. is is indeed a methylized mercury chain. It's a different molecule, yada, yada, yada. Um, it supposedly has mutagenic properties, particularly in fetal cells, where it concentrates even... Uh, if you've ingested a very small amount, and Maggie, Maggie's sweating bullets at this point, because um, she's been eating the fish from the lake, the incredibly large, incredibly delicious fish. Um, I mean, you know, even in real life, fish are often quite high in mercury content. Right. Um, so you know, don't don't eat nothing but raw tuna for the rest of your life, because uh, you will get mercury poisoning eventually. Um, 
and obviously she knows she's pregnant. He's just spouting off how, you know, it causes deformities and mutations in, in fetal cells. She, she's getting real, real worked up about it because, yeah, it's scary. But it's fine. We will just make sure we'll take some blood tests. Uh, and uh, we'll take, yeah, take some blood tests from the locals. It'll be all good. Meanwhile, that night... <laughs> Slightly further into the forest. Yes. Yes. The greatest scene in 1979 cinema history. <laughs> that uh, that young boy, his sister and his father are all sleeping in their sleeping bags. Uh, the, young, the young boy is in a banana sleeping bag. He literally looks like a banana. Yep. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, Katahdin, uh, an enormous mutated bear with like half its body fully slimed up and like raw skin attacks uh slashes up the uh the father and daughter and then just flings our little banana sleeping boy as he hops away as As he he hops hops away away. just just swings him like 15 feet across the clearing into a into a rock or boulder which he is he promptly explodes into a shower of feathers and other padding from the sleeping bag and it is I I burst out laughing for like five minutes. It is the funniest thing that I have seen in like a really long time because the movie had been so slow and so boring. And this is like ridiculous. Like it's the most ridiculous thing that I've ever seen. It's it's a like later Friday the 13th Jason Mm. Voorhees kill. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. I I was just like, I, I was just like, I can't. I need to. I need to watch this fifteen times. <laughs> yes, J- Jason X would repeat this. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, it is the. It's and it's so bizarre because it literally comes out of nowhere. It's not particularly mm. well shot. The, no, the sequence that adds to the charm. <laughs> yeah, it's not particularly well shot. The sequence they do a forced perspective thing to make the bear look larger than it is, and it's not working. Yeah. And then it's no. just like the hand, somebody, the you know, the guy, person wearing the costumes, arm swings, and then the, uh, it's just like it's a dummy. Like it's a dummy. Yeah, they got a dummy on a rope. Yeah, and they just that, pull that thing as fast as they can. <laughs> it's it's the dummy that falls off of the roof in an action movie, but only mm-hmm. moving horizontally because it was yeah. yanked by a, a wire. It was incredible. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah, that happens in the book, and it's it's really bad in the book. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure it's like little. Yeah, that's why they do this in the movie because you can't show like an eight year old boy getting exploded by a bear. No. Um, yeah. Instead, he, just show the sleeping bag explosion. But in the book, yeah, go wild. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> it. I mean, it, it. It's not like super graphic, but it definitely isn't comedic. I was like, like oh, this? well, no, it's not. Yeah, it's not comedic, and mm. it's real weird because it's um, so the it spends time with the family before this happens. Like, uh-huh, yeah, of the, course, because it's the dad bad. and the it's the dad, the mom, and the, and the two kids. And they're on their, they're going on their camping trip and they're so excited. And it's just talking about like the dad is a, um, he's an avid outdoorsman and he's, he's Mm. bringing his kids out here for the first time. Like this is the first time that they had a family vacation. He just, um, I think he's like a school teacher and Uh, he saved up a bunch of money over the years and finally got like a little Cessna. (laughs) 
and oh boy. um so he, 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 it was his, yeah. that was the maiden flight that they flew out here and they're going to do their <laughs> camping trip oh, uh, and the kids are excited bad, he's, yeah. he's he's teaching his kids like the ways of the force so they can be naturalists and like not be scared of the, yeah. the wilderness and yeah. he's like okay kids we're gonna it's it's called um i don't remember it's like it's like the sleep sleeping by yourself so um God. he's telling his son who's like nine he's like so you'll go and uh you'll you know you'll sleep away from like the camp and have your own little campfire and like that'll, yeah. that'll be your like right into to, um, manhood and the kid's like okay i'm not scared i can do it and then his daughter who's 12 is like i i'm tougher i can do it too and the dad's like oh yeah so you both okay it's fine you can both go um you know see he's not like telling them to go off into the woods by themselves it's like you know it's it's, it's a few it's just outside of the like camp firelight so they're they're just a little ways away but they're still kind of by themselves and he's like don't forget to set your alarm and you got to get up in the morning and and or during the night and you got to keep feeding the fires to keep all the animals away so you have a little you know you can't you can't let the fire go out so right. the kids are like dutifully doing that and the daughter like wakes her alarm wakes her up at three o'clock in the morning and she's like hearing something coming into the tree or you know into the little camp thing and she thinks it's her dad checking up on him and then it, it's not it's like todd in <laughs> it's not the right. dad and then she's like oh mr bear please don't don't hurt me and then so she like zips she like maybe if I just pretend to be dead or whatever. And so she zips her like sleeping bag over her head, like her brother was sleeping mm-hmm. to, to, to keep bugs away. And then the bear just like murders her. Right. And the, the, the brother wakes up and he's like, is it snowing? Because the bear's so big and it's, it's biting his sister's head. And it's, her blood's raining on him. He thinks it's raining, oh, and then wow. like the little oh, flakes of uh, <laughs> sleeping bag are like falling on him like snow. And, and he sees what's happening, and he starts screaming. And yeah, then, yeah he gets he gets up, and he's like banana hopping, and then the, the bear just like, <laughs> murders him too. And then the dad hears the screaming and comes running. And yeah, he's like, then he sees his kids being eaten, and he starts. He's like, oh my god! And then the bear like one shots him like rip off his head and that's it yeah like, okay uh Holy what yeah. <laughs> what just happened it, it spent like a chapter introducing this family only to kill them well it, i mean it's it's better than not introducing or giving them any characterization at all only for the son to and please listeners forgive me for mm. referencing this a, a fastball pitch into a seagull at the end of the <laughs> sequence yeah yeah exactly yeah. it was rough it wasn't as bad as the kids that didn't make it in um the nest oh. Yeah. That was horrible. Yeah, no, that's fair. And at least, like, the dad went out and, like, took a bunch of the cockroaches with him. But this dad no. didn't make it. No, this is just good old bear murder. Okay. Incredibly Katadin's funny film. Katahdin's way, way too Incredibly strong. disturbing yeah. in the book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't fight a bear. More real-life yeah. advice. If no, you see a and bear, then don't fight one don't. that's, like... So, it, it, it... um, I don't think it did it in the movie. In the book... Katahdin's introduced by um, uh, 
ripping the skeleton out of a brown bear. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah, it's like, what? This is, this is the bear, and it, 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 it woke up from hibernation, and it's like trundling along and sees a, um, like a buck, and it mm. goes after it. And then it hears a weird noise and turns, and then mm. then Katahdin's like three times larger and like uppercuts it mm. like it's Mortal Kombat, and it it hit it so hard it like knocked it out of its skin. You're just like, what? Mm. <laughs> what is going on? The like, Mortal yeah. Kombat finished by Katahdin. Yeah, <laughs> that's like the opening part of the book. It's like, what is happening? Yeah, oh, instead, Katahdin's first introduction is literally fifty-seven minutes into this nearly two-hour yeah. long movie. No, we get it. Yeah. We get it. Like Mortal Kombat finisher move to a, a bear, another bear, and yeah. then it like drags a whole team of search and rescue people off of a cliff. Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds much more threatening in the book, honestly. Yeah, it's it's really really big. Yeah. Man. Um so anyway, yeah, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's the the campers yeah. didn't make it. Campers did not make it in either telling of this tale. Um Isley and the sheriff discover the bodies and in the morning are like, well, it was the Opies. Clearly this exploded child was done by human hands. Yeah. Um <laughs> and so they go off to arrest John Hawks and uh a number of the other people uh while Robert and Maggie are taking blood samples. Uh, John Hawks obviously makes his escape because they're probably just going to straight up kill him rather than necessarily arrest him. There's a lot of lot of anger going on in this scene. He make he makes his escape in the most mm. visually interesting shot of oh, the movie. It's great. <laughs> like honestly, yeah. this movie's kind of shot very rote and boringly uh, mm. for the most part. But it's just a panning shot of him running into a house, looking through a window as he jumps out another window at the back of the house. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he again. He's he's doing some Resident Evil Four here. Yeah, uh, that's what happens in the book it's weird it doesn't explain it well <laughs> he just like bursts through a window and you're like okay he's gone <laughs> all right <laughs> i don't know yeah. what happened there yeah. yeah um but yeah they, they they dash off to inspect the scene of this uh horrendous killing before it gets closed off by the cops and also by the incredibly inclement weather uh off by helicopter and they find these enormous scratch marks in the trees like big even for a bear yep <laughs> Uh, and in the nearby in the nearby stream, uh, Maggie finds two little mutant cubs trapped in a salmon poacher net. Uh, one of which is drowned, the other of which is very unhappy about being cold and wet. Uh, and uh, you know this is evidence. <laughs> we've got we've got direct evidence of the damage done to the environment. Look at this terrible, greasy little prosthetic bear bear prop. It, it is it is pretty distressing to look at, which I think means it's doing its job well. Yes. But also, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so obviously they can't take the helicopter out because of a storm. So instead, uh, go to the nearest shelter, which happens to be Hector's teepee camp, uh, and uh, nursing the surviving cub. Sort of is. The plot, the plot uh, summary here says back to health. That's definitely not what's happening <laughs> no, here. No, no, it is not. <laughs> they get it warm, and then it starts screaming in pain because it's a horrible, deformed creature that should never oh. have been. 
And so they start just pumping it full of drugs. Yep. Like, it's got to survive for someone in authority to see it. Would, so it's evidence. So, Otherwise, I just say we mutilated a bear corpse. <laughs> is that was that his explanation as to why they needed to keep it alive? Because when he was I like, so. <laughs> I, when he was like, we need to keep it alive. I'm like, no, it's it's clearly like a horrible mutant. Oh yeah, like, with yeah tons of deformities that like mutilating an actual bear cub wouldn't account mm. for but whatever movie sure i guess at this point I mean, <laughs> the real reason they have to keep it alive is to really just psychologically distress maggie even further right exactly uh yeah she sees this like mewling crying clearly suffering creature just laid out on a little stretcher she's like oh this is gonna happen to me great awesome i'm about to have my big breakdown about this which feels very fair incidentally uh, and she finally manages to get it out uh, to the Robert that she's pregnant. And he also fed her salmon filled to the brim with methyl mercury. So I guess this is going to be their life now. It's not going to end here. Even if they kill the bear, it won't end here. And it'll happen again in six months when yep. she gives birth to another terrible mutant. Uh, and, you know, Robert is actually affected by this, which good, I guess. he d- He doesn't just... Fatal, fatalism this one off immediately <laughs> good on good on you for having an emotion robert um <laughs> um the, the the sheriff and the head of the paper mill arrive and isley is like immediately just looks in the tent in the tent turns out and just hand to his face like oh god what have we done yeah cool actually it's totally my fault again good on him uh, realizing the errors and consequences of your ways. Uh, it is, it's nice that there's no attempt to defend here. It's like, okay, yeah, no, we definitely did this. <laughs> yeah, I do actually kind of appreciate that. Yeah, the the yeah. book handles it the same way, where he, he, Isaac's mm. just like, oh, um, it's like, I will yeah. go with you to the Senate hearing, or whatever, and I will testify, like, against yeah. the company. He's like, this is, this can't, like, this isn't what, I didn't know this was going on. Like he's yeah, did yeah. not. But I did not want to know. Yeah, yeah, he was willfully <laughs> being blind to like the effects yeah. of what they were doing because this is this is like the least of the damage they caused. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, you got to live to get to the Senate. Uh, and uh, as anyone who knows anything about bears would know, uh, don't touch the cubs. Don't approach the cubs. Do not look at the cubs. Don't think about looking at the cubs. Uh, Mama don't bear swaddle them like little babies. Yeah, don't swaddle them like little babies because bear doesn't know what swaddling is. Yep, just keep uh, the cubs in a salmon poaching uh, trap uh, because, man, yeah. you're doing a real good job, Mama Bear. Uh, yeah. That both of your cubs somehow managed to get caught in a salmon trap <laughs> together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's so she's just so angry at humans for being the real monster here. Yep. Uh, that she forgot about them in her blind rage. Uh, which, oh man, I watched. As a slight aside, I I out of boredom yesterday watched Beast, the um that that one about the lion that's just gone up on Netflix recently. That's a very boring movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was this I was movie, but the lion is just angry. Yeah, in the green room, going, oh, I, I meant to, to, to tell you to watch Boar. Mm. Like that would have actually probably been a, a it's a contemporary yeah. retelling, kind of a um, Razorback. 
Yeah, I might check that out. That's Nathan yeah. Jones. He's, he fights the war. Okay. That's pretty cool. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in for that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Mama Bear Katahdin comes back to find the cubs, follows them to the TP to the TP tents, and uh, immediately just kills the sheriff while everyone else hops into the preservation tunnels beneath the tents because the basement is a ubiquitous piece of a uh, piece of living space. You have your little freeze tunnels to keep stuff. Uh, cool in summer, edible in winter, uh, and uh, everyone's just hanging out underground. Um, <laughs> and it's uh, it's pretty tense because again, it's just you hear the bear raging up above continuously, and when it all goes silent, some brave fool sticks their head out of the hole and immediately gets dragged up by the bear, which was waiting for them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, th- th- so in the book, the sheriff mm. rolls up with, like, his whole group. It's like, mm. oh, like a posse. Yeah. Because they, they still think it's, um, they're still after John Hawks. Yeah. So it's him and, like, whoever he could get, and then all the lumberjack guys. And then they just get all murdered by yeah. Katahdin. Like, it's, it's like, ten or more people. Yeah. They're, the bear will not be stopped. They, no. they, they only had the budget to murder one person that, who stuck mm. his head up like Bugs Bunny out of yeah. a rabbit hole. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, so, you know, the next day they sort of creep their way out. Uh, Isley, the, like, they've they've got uh, someone someone pretty badly injured. Um, Huntoon? Is that their name? Mm, I don't it, know the name. It was of the helicopter pilot in, in the book. I don't the know. The helicopter guy, yeah. Helicopter guy got mauled. So he's, he's in pretty bad shape. Uh, but if they get to the indigenous folks village by the time they get there it'll be too late for anyone to go out to get medical assistance from the town and so he'll probably die waiting but just up the mountain a couple of hours is a radio station and Isley, manager of the paper mill bless him uh is taking responsibility for his actions says he's gonna brave it and see if he can get up there and uh get someone to helicopter in supplies to the village uh, and off he goes up the mountain and uh, gets murdered by a bear. Yep. <laughs> because, yeah. He couldn't shimmy un- under a guys. fence fast enough. Nope. Yeah, they'll get you if you're not good at shimmying. He didn't even get that in the book. Like, he, he's, go- he's getting, he's mm. almost to the station. And then he sees, like, the, um, the, the baby bear that didn't make it. Yeah. Like, the carcass is just on the path. And he's like, that's weird. Mm. And then, because he's, he's, it's just like there's bugs on it. And he's like, what is that? Yeah. And then he realizes what it is. And then he goes, oh, I'm dead now. And then he, he doesn't yeah. even, he can like hear the bear and he doesn't even turn. He's like, it's just going to kill me. I don't want to see it. And then he oh, that's fair. gets like torn in half. Or the, yeah. the book's really good about going, and his, as his consciousness faded, he saw his upper torso or his whatever. His like, <laughs> yeah. Like his legs flying past his vision because he was ripped in mm. pieces. Yeah, it does yeah. that a couple times when people die. Like it, like it, it's very poetic about mm. the last spark of neurons firing in his brain. Yeah, yeah. And watched as his own eyes were. It's just like what? <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're not feeling it at that point. It is all visual. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. Uh, yeah. Uh, the rest of them are attempting to drive away to the village, and the bear attacks, decapitates the. Uh, the helicopter pilot in his stretcher 
And uh, so, uh, oh, also Hector's here. He's just watching all this happen. This is Katan in the Garden of the Forest. Why would it ever hurt him? And as everyone swims across the lake to get to a log cabin as some form of shelter, he also gets terribly mauled by the bear. Uh... <laughs> Um, the the surviving cub attacks Maggie, and Robert just drowns it. Yep. <laughs> um, which I mean, fair. Uh, and Katahdin crosses the lake, murders John Hawk, knocks over the cabin, which this bear is so strong. They are in a they are in a solid building, and the entire front wall just disappears. Yes. Basically. <laughs> It's a little, it's a little more subtle in the book, kind of. Yeah, the bear's yeah. huge. Oh yeah, and big bear. In the in the book, the cabin's on like stilts, mm. like it's raised up a little bit. So I yeah. guess when the lake sometimes submerges part of the island. Yeah. So yeah. the bear, like, it's it's really ridiculous. They're they swim across, and they're like, oh, we're we're safe now. Um, after they got the little bear off of, because it was on Maggie's neck, like yeah, maul, like chowing down on her neck, yeah, um, yeah. And they swim across, and they're like, "Oh, we'll be fine." And then they hear like this huge, like sounds like a boulder slammed <laughs> into the lake, and they're like, "Oh, it's swimming across," and it yeah. it gets on the land while they're still trying to get to the cabin. And it's mm. so fast, it like runs past all of them, turns around, and then like tries to bowl them over. And um, Rob and John are—they have—they um, have a rifle, mm. and then John has his um, bow that he was taught to use um, by uh, Hector, or yeah. the, the old guy. And so they—he they—they they end up injuring it quite a bit, like mm. fighting it. And then they get into the cabin, and they're just like, barricade the it's, it's Even in the book, it's like, that's not going to work, man. They, they know. They're like, barricade the door. For, against what? The bear? Sure. <laughs> it's like its head is the size of a person. Mm. But it, um, it, it like, does several runnings. It, like, backs up to the lake edge and then turns around and run, rams itself into the cabin, like, multiple times to, like, off-kilter it. And then yeah. bursts in eventually, like, through the roof. Yeah, so it's a little more like it makes sense, kind of, in the book because you get more of a. Oh, mm. They they obviously don't have the budget or like. No, it's a dude running in a suit <laughs> at a cabin. Yeah. It's not oh, big it, it would look over. foolish. Yeah. All we could have is this one <laughs> linebacker. You know. Yeah, a linebacker and a rubber suit. Good old days yeah. in monster movies. Um. Yeah. So yeah. No, the the more or less destruction of the cabin. Uh, injured Ramona knocks Maggie out, and so Robert very desperately just stabs and shoots Katahdin a whole bunch, forcing it back into the water where it drowns. Hooray! <laughs> Problem solved, everyone. It's all good. Um, And as they fly away the next day, getting the hell out of Maine, jump scare, second bear. Um, Yeah, the, the, there is, wherever, wherever there is a mama bear and baby bears, there's also a papa bear. An even bigger, nastier bear is still out there. Yeah, it's like twice the size of the mom in the book. Mm. He's like <laughs> rising up above the forest like Godzilla. Oh boy! <laughs> like, he, I mean, he's not that big, but he's oh, much. God, that would be much epic, larger. though. 
I, I want Godzilla, but it's just a grizzly bear the size of a skyscraper. <laughs> <laughs> that I'd be up, I'd be up for that. That'd be great. Um, so yeah, that's prophecy. It's not great. It's not <laughs> awful. That there, there are worse films I've watched. Horror. Yeah, I, I mean, I like it, the message. <laughs> if if more of what was in the book was in this movie, then I would like it because it just seems like stuff happens with very like mm. that. Once again, the characterization isn't very strong for anyone, especially yeah. compared for, to what you've told us about the book, Dave. And, yeah. yeah. And, and I find that kind of indisp- uh, inexcusable given the runtime of the film. <laughs> yeah, it had to be something yeah. with the production um, because it's the same writer. So mm. they clearly had the, the stuff was in the script. Mm-hmm. And they were just mm. like, we don't maybe have the, maybe we can only be shooting for X amount of days. Like our budget just can't mm. uh, uh, supply this. We ran out of budget doing like a couple effects shots or something. Yeah. Or we we can only rent the the helicopter and the crane for a little while, <laughs> you know. I I don't know I don't know what uh, the budget was on this, but yeah, yeah, it's the stuff's all there. It's all there, and it's a shame that it didn't actually make it in the movie because I think the messaging and like the, it's it's handling like five or six different issues all at once. There's like there's yeah. a lot of stuff that this movie's talking about, and it's able to address them at least in the book in a, a straightforward manner that like is effective. Uh, I mean, it, it it's definitely just an excuse to have a creature, but um, or you know, they're using that creature as a um, like a proxy for all the problems that this is like yeah. bringing up, right? Yeah, uh, but they 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 did base um, I think both in the movie and in the book for sure um, these incidents on on historical events in recent mm. history that did happen with mercury poisoning that just like wrecked whole villages. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's all problem. it's all based in like stuff that happened and is still happening. Like there's yeah, they're still messing up things. Yeah, Which so is why why I think it's very bizarre that the inclusion of it it's a mutagen. I'm like, eh. like because the paper mill's mm. been there for twenty years. It literally yeah. could have just been, hey, uh these bears have been progressively getting more and more um you know, heavy metals in their systems, and now mm. their cognitive abilities are just so awful that they will just attack humans on site. Yeah, rather than it's a big mutant bear. Yeah, it, bears, the, the, the bears book, being huffing leaded gasoline. Yeah, the book deals with that um, time frame uh, a little bit more because that's it's super important. So the um, uh, it's not Minamoto. Uh, the, the 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 Japanese village that was damaged by the mercury poisoning in the paper mill there mm-hmm. um that that mill was operating for 50 years mm. um before it became public you know like when all the effects started just really ramping up mm-hmm. yeah. because it takes time for the mercury to accumulate mm. yeah it's not immediate so the 20 year time frame and in the book in particular is like this is important because it's the same stuff happening but it's happening on a much faster scale Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. they're using um, the, the 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 mercury um, uh, like a fungicide, the, right? Mm-hmm. Is, um, whatever they're using is it's the same chemicals. They just like renamed it mm. to a different chemical. It's the same chain, or like yeah. it's, a, it's a similar one, um, but it's like double the strength. 
So the problem is they're for one thing they're using something that that is a known uh, uh, issue. Like it's mm. we we have recent history where this is like killing a lot of people and damaging the environment. Um, and so it's it was already agreed to not use this, and you guys are using that only because you called it something else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but not only that, but you've like doubled down on like the strength of it. Mm. So something that would, that took 50 years to make a problem before is happened in 20. Nice. So you're, you're not only doing a thing that's like has ethical and moral like problems, but you, you're doing it worse. Mm. So that, that's what like the, the large portion of the book, like that's the big message is like we need to watch all these things because they're they're being uh it's exponential like damage mm. yeah anyway yeah. Oh. so th- yeah, th- there's probably. just a little bit more to it than <laughs> than that and mm. then the timeline is like important but the yeah we didn't tell you that no. of course it doesn't <laughs> of course. why would it it's got it's got time to do nice sweeping shots and not much else of substance yeah uh-huh. the rest of their budget was on a sleeping bag scene yeah yeah i'm sure that was actually quite an expensive scene <laughs> yeah oh man so yeah prophecy is fine i'm not going to say don't watch it but just be prepared to spend the better part of two hours not super engaged <laughs> yeah i think like the nest maybe track down the book it's a shame that there's mm, no there wasn't an audio great. um version yeah. i really enjoyed the audio presentation of the nest um by the mm. way but the uh I, I i had to like get a second super second hand uh original like 1979 copy of the um of prophecy and it's it's in its its years <laughs> definitely dog yeah version yeah all right on to razorback from from the great outdoors of north america to the great outdoors of central australia oh boy yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh hey Cameron. Uh yeah. um I got some questions before we get started. Mm-hmm. Uh well yep. let's let's let me introduce the film first. Uh we yep, are talking please. about uh Razorback, which is a nineteen eighty-four Australian production about a killer mm-hmm. razorback pig. Uh well a a a a master gigantic master razorback pig mm. and uh cute little piglets that make me giggle every <laughs> single time they're on screen because they're supposed to look vicious um yeah. and because this is said in australia and uh cameron mm-hmm. you are uh, uh, australian um i have uh, that dubious honor <laughs> um uh, on a scale to um one to blackface how socially <laughs> unacceptable are the portrayals of australians in this movie so here's the thing this film i think is a lot like mad max it's a documentary that speaks to the spirit of the thing if not the actual execution of the thing okay um <laughs> this is not what i would call offensively stereotyped so much as it is sort of just true at its essence wow okay yeah um set set in like the 70s and 80s in extremely rural australia this feels about right ish i'm um okay yeah that's that's distressing because i felt deeply uncomfortable watching the way that people were portrayed in this movie the entire time i was watching it yeah, like look, some of these are some of these are slightly played up stereotypes, but 
the the you could probably encounter a large number of the people from this film in that time period in similar areas. Okay, wow. Yeah, yeah. I was referencing um the the film Wake and Fright is similar mm. time period. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um notably this was before we introduced gun control, so there's an awful lot of guns in this film. So if for anyone questioning that, uh, we did that in the 90s. This is set in like the 80s. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Um and for for good because uh, you, you, pigs pigs are nasty things. You've got to have a rifle. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like it's it's Mad Max. It speaks to like some of the core cultural things. Um, honestly, speaks to how how it just is out there still currently in terms of there's literally nothing else to do except go to the pub if you're in areas where there's no satellite connection. Um. And yeah, I don't think it's don't think it's massively incorrect in a lot of its portrayal. Okay, well, <laughs> I feel um, I don't know how to feel about that because I think I would have liked it if it was uh, actually offensive rather yeah. than like this is how things used to be because that's it's somehow more distressing to me. Yeah. Um, well, if it helps, the director is Australian. So. Yes. Well, and I was also <laughs> going to mention, because you keep referencing Mad Max, that the director yeah. of photography also worked on Mad Max too. So. Yep. Yep. It's all in there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Razorback. It's, uh, for those who don't know, Razorback is a big, angry pig. Um, the, the weird thing about pigs, let's be clear. There's no such. There's no difference between a feral pig and a domestic pig. Yep. They are the exact same creature. It's just if you stop feeding a pig regularly and giving it a safe, comfortable space, it will grow a bunch of fur and tusks to defend itself. Yep. And go absolutely hog wild no. out there. <laughs> yeah. Um. This. This is. This is a real problem. Honestly. Uh. To 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 this day, feral pigs are a massive danger. Uh, throughout a lot of rural Australia, um, actually got a little map of their general distribution. Um, and I'll just pop into the Discord chat for you guys. Um, there are a few near me, but mostly they just sort of cover the eastern third of the country, like, entirely. Um, that, that's, that's where all yeah. the wild pigs are. It's not that's, great. That's larger than several countries. That, yeah. So so it's like so this is your actual Pacific Rim. Yeah. This is your yeah, actual giant Taiju the... situation. People will remember in the uh in the Cryptids episode I spoke about the Tantanula Tiger and at one point someone killed a three meter, which is a ten foot long pig, and claimed that was the beast. That that's not an exaggeration. They get big and they get really nasty. Oh man, that's uh <laughs> Man, see, when it was just, like, Australia's full of, like, the most poisonous but exotic animals on the planet, mm. I'm like, mm. yeah, okay, that's weird, but, like, the idea that that I could be pig-murdered if I go oh. into the wrong part <laughs> of the country is deeply yeah. distressing to me, actually. No, that's fair. Um, it, in somewhat recent news mid sort of 2010s uh a feral pig broke into a cooler drank 12 cans of beer 
and then fought a cow to a standstill before passing out from alcohol poisoning. All right. Um, <clears throat> so they've, they've integrated with the culture is what I'm saying. Exactly. I'm going to be getting citizenship eventually. Um, yeah. Razorback. Um, I actually really enjoyed this film as mostly did. because, yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, I was going to say as did I, yeah. because it's, it was at least interesting to look at. Hmm. Yeah, it's got some good shots. Um, it's got a lot of a lot of like reaction shots that I just find extremely funny as well. A lot a lot of, you know, the drop to your knees go, No Yes. Or pig <laughs> and stuff like that. It, it, it uh, like within the mm. within the first minute of the film, actually. Yeah, yeah. And it comes in at a hot ninety minutes, so it's relatively short and sweet. Yes. <laughs> as well. Um, because oh, we get a uh, we get a uh, a a Razorback ate my baby yeah sequence at the very uh, Again. beginning. Yes, yes I know. I, real I, events. Yes, yeah. I, I'm actually very much aware of that incident, mm. which I thought was like a real. Once again, I was just very weirded out at like mm. the fact that that this was an Australian production, but like now yeah. that you've told me that this was fairly accurate, I guess it makes sense that they would reference that incident. Um, yeah. But yeah. I mean, go yeah, on. to be clear, the, 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 the Dingo Ate My Baby incident was a popular joke in Australian culture for decades. Right. Until it came out that she almost definitely did not murder her baby and that everyone sort of shamefully shuffled their feet a little and looked to one side mm. and only occasionally brought it up in future. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah we we got a weird culture going on here that's what i'll say yeah um yeah so yeah oh, good old good old old man jake cullen's babysitting his grandson he lives out on his own on a farm in the middle of the outback uh, i don't think they specify exactly where in the outback at any point um could be a real town could just be the middle of like Queensland or New South Wales, who knows? Pretty deserty, pretty pretty flat. That's eighty percent of the country. So, uh, <laughs> um, and a a giant pig runs directly through the house, uh, snatches the baby, and runs directly out the other side of the house. Yep. Um, when I say through, I mean like through the walls, uh, because again, classic Australian industry building standards. Um. So, hey, a problem we're having generally. Our homes aren't well insulated. It's even worse out there when you're building with plasterboard and corrugated tin. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, everyone just assumes uh, Jake murdered his grandson. Yes, and and, and set his house on fire too. Because set his the... house on fire. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. It, it's so wild that they're like the assumption is uh, well you clearly murdered your grandson and then mm. to cover it up set your ha home on fire and made up yeah. a ridiculous story about mm. a sam raimi first person evil dead giant mm. boar running through your your home yeah 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 exactly you know and he he gets put through the ringer on it they do the local the local court comes together because no one's going to bother driving all the way out to one to one of the cities for this. Um, just a local judge and the the court of public opinion, uh, where there's not really enough evidence to convict him because he it's 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 a he said no one said case because he says a giant boar 
smashed his house up and took the baby. And the the prosecution says, but you had a gun. Didn't you shoot the boy? And he went, no, nah, it didn't work. And everyone just sort of claps their hands, goes, well, we haven't been able to find the kid's body. And there was nothing in the records of the fire, I guess. So we can't, can't, can't take him, uh, can't take him to sentencing with that. And uh, he is just ruined in the community. Yeah. As it's, it were. It's wild that his daughter's like, hey, I, I don't even believe him. That was mm. like, yeah, the weirdest thing for me. I'm like, you left, you left your kid with him. So mm. like, wh- why? Was trust. How? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It definitely destroys his credibility and his reputation in the community. He loses his daughter over it, basically. Uh, and uh, so he vows his his bloody revenge against this one pig. <laughs> um, <laughs> a couple years later. Uh, an American gets involved because we have to have an outsider's perspective because otherwise this film would be completely impregnable to uh, anyone <laughs> trying to watch it overseas. <laughs> um, Beth Winters is an American sort of wildlife uh, rights reporter, essentially, um, doing doing pieces on, you know, animal abuse in various industries and that kind of thing. And uh, she is given the opportunity, and by which I mean told explicitly, uh, she has to go to Australia and do a piece on a kangaroo cull. Um, And this is where I get to speak to it again. This happened, this continues to happen, and this is more or less necessary because we as as a uh, Western civilization have just completely fucked up kangaroo populations uh, in terms of we removed a lot of native predation by killing dingoes because they went after livestock. Right. And then we created these massive areas filled with food where kangaroos can just eat around the edges and generally not be disturbed. And so uh, they completely exploded in population immediately and have been doing so for the last 200 years. Yes. More or less unchecked. Um, so, uh, yeah, we, we we do indeed kill thousands upon thousands of kangaroos every year and we do it to protect all the other native species that are not as good at taking advantage of farms as kangaroos are um it's for the best of reasons and uh i will i will say uh with my personal experience somewhat morbidly um for medical science learning for people studying medical sciences and forensic sciences um we don't have any donated bodies with gunshot wounds. Um, so instead you get to study on kangaroos. All right then. Wow. <laughs> I, I did I did my course on bullet injuries on a bunch of kangaroos because that's what we have. Um, I don't know how it is in the States. I assume people donate their bodies to science and do eventually end up getting shot at some point. Uh, <laughs> I, I, do, I do have a question because there was a yeah. bit of terminology that completely mm. threw me off every single time that it was used. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. is, do you... Is the term uh, kangaroo shooter as opposed to kangaroo mm. hunter a thing? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You you can hunt kangaroos for your own personal gain and uh, for food, or you can be a kangaroo shooter and you're part of the cull and you're not eating them. You just have to get rid of them. Wow. Okay. You know what? There are too I'm, many. I'm going to stop <laughs> questioning any aspect of this movie now because apparently it's all accurate. It's all above board. Um, cause like the fact that people kept saying mm. shooter, I'm like, like, 
Uh, you could, yeah, it's a hunter. If they're not eating them. They're a shooter. Uh, oh man, that's <laughs> wild. Okay, cool. Ooh, uh, this is a uh, man. I'm really uh, kind of surprised that this movie is as much of an education as it is. Yeah. Yeah, look, uh, Australia's a weird place. Uh, the basic assumption is we are like every other Western country. We are deeply not. We have problems <laughs> okay. of our own. <laughs> well, yeah, mostly our fault. Uh, as every countries are <laughs> because the uh, from the sounds of it, the the mm. the boars and the kangaroos are going to team up at some point to oh yeah the country for sure for sure it's going to happen. Maybe we'll get the drop bears involved yeah. as well. Yep. Do love me a good drop bear. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, so Beth Winters, uh, it's coming up on her wedding, at, her first wedding anniversary. She's six weeks pregnant. Um, why do we have two pregnant female leads in these films? That's weird, actually. Yes. Um <laughs> Guess it guess it's a guess it's a good hook for the time. Um and uh she she gets told you gotta to go out and do that piece on the kangaroo call. They heard they killed eight hundred thousand kangaroos last year. Um and uh so off she goes, <laughs> taking a very, very long trip to get out to Outback Australia. Um it is a small, entirely run down, beat up town made of corrugated tin and thin wood panels um relatively accurate for the places that are really out there like <laughs> there are a lot of communities like this is the issue is um australia is sort of the site of a massive mining boom that's been going on ever since white people came here <laughs> and it's just never stopped and that results in these tiny pockets of communities like every couple of hundred kilometers there's like 20 people who live in a few houses on what is technically a town but really is just an opal mine in disguise okay um <laughs> again lots of little places like this um the the really rough runs are the road houses on the long halls uh the roads between states uh there has to be a service station for someone to get fuel and water and stuff no one wants to live there so it's like maybe five people living in the middle of the Nullarbor, uh, just sort of hanging out um, and, you know, giving fuel and food to those who need it. Because uh, if you're driving, you'll notice there's occasionally a sign that says no water or fuel for the next 500 kilometers. Yes. Uh, which is always fun. <laughs> that that sort of speaks to it. We've got like 10%, less than 10% of the American population in slightly more mat land mass uh so yeah it's a little like that um so she gets out to this little town seems pretty hospitable uh meets up with her camera her cameraman her uh australian guy handling the camera for her and starts doing her piece and uh she meets uh, a pretty hostile reception by the locals again pretty accurate uh <laughs> A lot of Australians don't like the idea of foreigners coming in and telling them that what they're doing is wrong mm. at any level. Yeah, that sounds pretty, pretty insular. <laughs> that sounds accurate. Uh, yeah, you know, um, that sounds like a thing that isn't reserved strictly to Australians, but I'm sure that they mm. might be more hostile to it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think again a part of that is 
everyone's like, yeah, you're a regular Western country. And then they come and you're like, why the hell are you doing this? Like, because we're not, we know what we're doing. Piss off, right. essentially. Uh, so the, again, there's a lot of this sort of rural areas resistance to someone foreign. And foreign is a big word because it could include someone from a city with more than 10,000 people. Right. Um, coming in and saying, hey, you should stop doing this. And they go, no, we're doing what we need to do. <laughs> Uh, it it can be even so much as you know, it's the classic city slickers versus uh r- rural survivors kind of thing, you know. <laughs> um, you, you can get a chilly reception even if you're still Australian, but you're not from out in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, once she starts questioning people about roo shooting and is identified as sort of an animal rights activist, she gets shut down pretty hard by basically everyone. Um, although she does earn a bit of respect, someone throws some darts at her and she pulls them off the, off the wall and just drops them directly into his beer. Yep. And everyone admires this, which is again, accurate. We like a bit of spunk <laughs> as and, it were. Uh, and this is the introduction, I believe of Benny Baker and his yep. brother Dicko. 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 Good old Richard. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Benny Baker and Dicko, a couple of kangaroo shooters, uh, come opal miners, and uh, yeah, it was sort of in a in a powder blue. I want to say it's a suit jacket, but it might be denim. I can barely remember. <laughs> I think he was. He does wear. Man, I have a lot. Of, I'm not going to question it, but man, I have yeah. some notes about the costuming on this. Um, Again, I, you wear what you got. Okay, cool. So accurate <laughs> as well. All right. Yeah. That the hey, 80s, 80s fashion in Australia was wild by all regards. Because he's wearing like a really dirty powder blue like blazer jacket. Mm. Uh, he's yeah. got a like Texas bolo um, mm-hmm. tie, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and also, he's just like completely and utterly filthy. Um, I was t- talking to Dave before we started, mm. and it feels like like this movie is is like a Mad Max side story, but we yeah. get the revelation that Australia, like the just it, like the that. apocalypse just hit Australia and the rest of the world is fine. Unlike yeah. the actual yeah. Mad Max series. Where the rest of the world is destroyed because the oceans disappear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah honestly, it sometimes feels like that. Um, but yeah, no fashion at the time again is wear what you got. And also if you're a little punky, which uh, Benny sort of a little bit is, uh, just really amp up the weirdness of your outfit because it will confuse and anger the older people. Ah. Which, I mean, yeah, um, yeah, we got that weird dichotomy. It was like the the generations before, like the seventies, super like British derived, very on point, as it were, and mm-hmm. then we hit that sort of seventies to eighties, and everyone went American influence cross British punk. Just turn it all the way up. Less <laughs> less respect for authority and the elders, as it were, the better. Um, and uh, she also meets up with Jake Cullen and manages to get a few questions in. Uh, he, he mentions that he's a razorback hunter uh, rather than a kangaroo shooter. Yes. Um, she, you know, she asks about the season on razorbacks and he goes, there's no season on razorbacks. Just shoot them whenever you see them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which is... Correct. To the best of my knowledge, we don't have a season on feral pigs. It's sort of an on-site thing. If you see one on your property, go off. Um, 
<laughs> like, you know, I, I had a friend when I was in high school whose family made a bit of extra cash during this during the school holidays by just going out to the country and shooting kangaroos and feral pigs. Wow. It's yeah. Like, once again, that, that this thing? is a fascinating <laughs> cultural lesson that we're getting about this giant pig movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is uh it is a it is a lesson in that. Yeah, this is more or less how it was. <laughs> it's not how it is now. It's a little more regulated and a little more organized, but it's about right. <laughs> oh man. Um so yeah, she she gets uh some some tips, some clues that Benny Baker and his brother Dicko are probably up to no good. There's an abandoned pet pack factory. Yep. Uh on the edge of town. Um by on the edge of town means you know like 12 miles down the road <laughs> because again rural australia just things are built wherever they should be and no thought given to planning at all um <clears throat> and so off she goes and yeah here, here they are turning kangaroos into dog food uh very illegal because they don't have a business permit but otherwise again more or less what happens to a bunch of kangaroos every year <laughs> because they're good for pet food and uh they haven't really caught on i know i I like kangaroo but i just don't buy it very often (laughs) (laughs) it's good it's it's like light but gamey if that makes sense it's very lean uh which is actually the problem because for pet food you have to supplement it because it has so little fat that it's unhealthy for the for cats and dogs Mm. uh but it's a good basis for pet food I'm going to get a bunch of listeners thinking I'm some sort of weird psychopath after this episode. No, no, not at all. Like, honestly, <laughs> I'm actually really glad. Like I said, I felt real, I unironically felt really uncomfortable watching this movie because I mm. felt like it was like turned up to 11. And yeah, uh, once again, the I, minstrel show of Australian culture. Yeah, that's what it <laughs> felt like. And I was like, I don't know if I feel comfortable talking about this because my buddy, my co-host is Australian and this feels mm. deeply offensive. But yeah, now, yep. now I have to deal with the fact that this is accurate and feel even worse about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, and that, um, that's, I had mentioned to Leonard that that's something mm. if you look at, um films set in new york um mm. during like the 70s and then very early 80s the depiction of new york you get if you if you were from or had visited there anytime mm. recently is gonna seem like that's that's not real and i guess that's actually mm. pretty much how it was it's some of it's a little overstated but it's that's yeah that's the you blow new it up a little time. yeah you blow it up a little for like cinematic entertainment but the core of it's about right yeah (laughs) um so yeah she heads out to the pet pack uh where we see benny and dicko just throwing kangaroos into the world's biggest blender effectively um it is i want to say incidentally the pet pack set is fantastic it's really great it is like the world's best horror set yeah Like it's something you know, Freddy Krueger would show up in, you know. <laughs> it, it's it's wild because like it's cl- like it is a clearly a set, but it's like a, mm. th- it's like a set that you would expect in a really uh, well done like uh, mm. horror funhouse like for Halloween yeah, that they set up. Yeah. Like it's the like this is the meat packing room and it's got the <laughs> blades and the, the boiler that is constantly mm. threatening to explode and shooting off steam. Yep. Yep. It is 
one hell of a set, and I'm glad that they get a decent chunk of use out of it. Yes. The film. <laughs> like, they keep going back to the pet pack, and sometimes it feels a little overdone, but then you realize, no, but we get to see the pet pack again. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah she gets some footage of them uh making their terribly illegal definitely not safe for consumption pet food uh but gets noticed runs off and drives off in a car um and now she was aiming to be back before sundown and again i gave some advice about rabies and about not fighting bears earlier i'm going to give you some advice in rural australia don't drive after dark all right um kangaroo are like deer but as opposed to deer, which will see a bright light and stay perfectly still, if they feel there's any risk at all when they see the bright light, they will jump directly at the bright light. Um, and so there's a lot of incidences of kangaroos going through windscreens, kicking the driver half to death, and then dying in the back of the car. Oh, uh, which uh, I've never experienced that exactly, but I've had a few things where kangaroos have decided it's time to cross the road because we see the car coming. And uh, they have jumped directly on the hood of the car, across the roof, and off the other side to continue crossing the road. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, so you've got to be careful driving at night. You can't drive at speed. Like, if... And I want to say, I say rural Australia. Uh -huh. I'm including, like, the edge of the city that I live in. Right. <laughs> I used to play D&D with people who lived, like, 20 minutes up into the hills. And when I was driving home, I could only go 40Ks an hour because if I went faster, I would hit a kangaroo. <laughs> and because I don't have a country car, it doesn't have the massive bull bar, um, or actually rhubar, we call them, strapped to the front mm -hmm. to prevent the kangaroo from murdering you. And um, if you look up a rhubar, uh, they're actually a bit more extensive than bull bars because if you hit cattle, they generally have too much mass to go flying over the top, whereas if you hit a roo, it will go flying over the top, so there's an extra bit on top to try and prevent that. <laughs> right. Um, I will say this though the the oh, the lighting man. rig on um mm. uh, the the Baker Boys uh, truck now with that oh, man. Rue explanation actually mm. makes a significantly more sense because I'm like, why do they have like like fishermen's like night trawling lights on this thing oh they're actually trying to attract roos because they're yeah right yeah that's the, that the, makes sense <laughs> the kangaroo uh the kangaroo will see the bright light and if the car's not on and not making noise it'll just stand and stare at the bright light if the car is idling it will come a little closer to see what's up <laughs> um so yeah that's, that's, that's how you do it <laughs> yeah, that, that's the traditional kangaroo shooting outfit is you do it at night because if you do it in the day they'll just run away um and uh yeah if you do it at night just pop the searchlight on and it'll get them real calm or at least interested enough to get in range <laughs> a lot of weird animal stuff going on in australia if you want an emu to come close just lie on your back and bicycle your legs in the air and they'll be so confused by what you are that they walk right up to you uh, <laughs> I live I live in such a strange place. <laughs> um but yeah, uh she she's hooning it, uh as we'd say, down the road late at night. Uh and uh Benny and Dicko obviously have taken umbrage with this foreign reporter coming to report on all their terrible doings and so uh ram her off the road and then attempt to sexually assault her. <laughs> uh again played up a bit for cinema but there's definitely people like this out there um 
don't say I'm not saying like undesirable people get pushed out to the sticks, but they do happen sometimes. <laughs> um, but they are interrupted by uh, something just nearly knocking their own truck over. <laughs> and then they just leave her there and uh, she gets back in a car. She's going to be okay. It's all over. Uh, and then the world's ugliest, hugest pig appears at the window. <laughs> yep. And this this is this is the titular Razorback, and it's got a pretty great uh, I don't know what to call this a model an animatronic. It's I'm an animatronic, sure. yeah, it's an animatronic. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, they they. I wasn't like sure if they just had like a them. guy inside it. No, no, yeah. they, they built a bunch of them. And one specifically to like smash into cars because it needed to be That's huge. That's awesome. Yeah, I and it's that. and it's great. It looks great, and they do the. Mm. It looks great when you see it. Um, mm. uh, and they also are smart enough to light it really well. Like it is mostly in shadow and silhouette throughout most of the movie. But even when you finally do get a full on look at it, it's a really fantastic animatronic. Mm. It's really really good. Um, again, much like the rest of the film. It's not exactly right, but it really speaks to the essence of the thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you're never going to get a pig quite this messed up looking in the face department. <laughs> but it's the the general idea is there. The tusks get really huge. They get really sharp. It's got all that wiry fur all over it. And yeah, it looks really fantastic. And it really sells the idea, I think, properly. Mm-hmm. Um, which yeah, which the the idea is that a pig is a really fucking scary animal if it's not a domestic one. <laughs> like you know, uh, for for centuries, uh, nobles and knights and mercenaries hunted boars to prove their sort of valor and worth. And you go, that's just a big pig. How scary is it? It's like it's really scary. <laughs> I am afraid. Um, and indeed, this pig rips the the car door right off. And I was really shocked by this scene because I was under the impression that, you know, Beth Winters would be our unlikely feminine protagonist. Yes. And uh, instead, about 20 minutes into the film, she gets eaten by a pig. Yep. <laughs> Which is... Uh, definitely subverting the expectations I had, which I find quite enjoyable. Um... And yeah, it's a horrible fate because again, it's just a big pig. It's going to eat you. <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> um, no witnesses, of course. They find a car in the morning, sort of just ran off the road. Uh, yeah, no witnesses, no evidence as to where she went. Um, so they just assume she crashed her car, wandered out in the darkness trying to find help, and fell into a mine shaft. Yeah, because this entire country is covered in tiny mine shafts. It's actually true. <laughs> so I didn't actually question the mine shaft thing, but I yeah. did. My biggest thing was like, "Come on, guys! Like, clearly something <laughs> ripped a, the door off of this vehicle." Uh, it's she, a tree, did, man. she did. She didn't <laughs> just like hit a like a dune and the door flew off <laughs> and rolled away. So I'm just like, man, yeah. they're just like, yeah, whatever. And I'm like, is that also accurate? <laughs> is I mean, that cavalier nature of like, well, we found an abandoned car. It's more of a hassle to tow it than to jump. I, mean, I, I, I think it is more of a hassle to tow it than it is just to leave it there. Absolutely. I think in general, I like to think a little bit better of the, the small town spirit and say they'd at least get like, do a day of looking for someone. Okay. But apart from that. Yeah, um, the the real problem, 
um, which is really illustrated really nicely in this film, actually, is there's no real law enforcement in yes. rural Australia. The town has a single cop who I think also owns a stake in the bar or something. Um, but, uh, again, where, where my wife's parents live, it's just four or so hours south of Perth. Uh, the town they live in has a couple of hundred people. It has two police officers. And the end result of this is that, uh, no one bothers not to speed because they know that if some person is manning a speed camera in the area, it means there's only one cop on call for regular emergencies. So the result is there's no, there's no road safety oversight at all because they simply don't have the people for it in case a real emergency happens um <laughs> yeah and th- yeah yeah and this is like this is like a couple of hundred k's out from the capital city of my state <laughs> it's not far he says calling it a couple of hundred kilometers uh, distance whatever um so yeah like uh, they they just don't have the resources to deal with this kind of thing so when it happens you kind of look for them a bit, and then if you can't find them within a day or two, it's like the desert got them. Right. Yes. Basically. Um, important safety tip for Australia. If you're traveling in rural Australia and your car breaks down or you have a crash, don't leave your car. Yeah. People can find the car. If you're still in the car, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> also, the car provides shade, and I mean, I wouldn't suggest drinking out of the radiator, but desperate times, desperate measures. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh hot tip don't leave the car we're doing a lot of safety tips this episode i'm into it um, get your rabies shots don't fight bears don't crash your car at night in australia oh goodness um a, about a week later her husband goes i got this weird message from australia saying my wife disappeared <laughs> and so he goes to australia um, this is Carl Winters, um, presumably cousin to Ethan Winters, and this is actually set in the Resident Evil universe. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he's coming out here to try and find out what actually happened to his wife. Um, and he really doesn't have much to go on, so he gets dropped off by the bus, uh, rents a room at the pub, realizes that, uh, he can't drive anywhere because he doesn't have a car, so asks about a taxi. Gets told that the last time they saw a taxi was probably 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was very lost. Uh, and so instead, the guy running the pub just loans him his car, um, which I should point out, he was loading the car up with uh, beer kegs. I noticed and then that. And goes, take the car anyway. <laughs> like, yeah. And again, this also speaks to the truth. If you If you, like, not immediately considered like offensive or threatening to their way of life. A lot of people in Australia are just like, yeah, man, whatever. You need a hand, sure. We are relatively friendly as a people. Um, if we don't think you're trying to call us all like animal murderers because <laughs> we shoot kangaroos, um, <laughs> which you know, is it's it's a correct appellation, I suppose. But <laughs> again, the the layers of the problem kind of deal. Um. Yeah, he just he gets this car, drives out to see uh, Jake Cullen, who's one of the last people to have seen his wife alive, and again gets told about Razorbacks, and he's like, I just want to know what happened to my wife. He keeps showing me these dead pics. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's going, oh, look, man, you want to find out the truth? Go go check out the pet pack or whatever. 
Um, because I think at this point Jake's gotten tired of telling people that there's a giant murder pig somewhere out there. Yes, that no, and, <laughs> and just getting having, rebuffed. Yeah, having no one believe him. <laughs> yeah, uh, sort of figure it out for yourself, kind of deal. Um, <laughs> and so he goes up to the pet pack, pretends to be a uh, a Canadian prospector, basically. Uh huh. You know, I was told, you know, Jake Cullen told me, you guys know a bit about opal mining, yada, yada, yada. He had to try my luck. Um, calls himself Bill. Yes. <laughs> That's a great job. Um, and uh, they bring him along on the kangaroo hunt that, that evening because why not? Again, hey, you can stay with us. We got beds. We got food. Have again Sausages. Give, give, yeah, give him sausages. And give, give what you've got and be be polite to guests and all that kind of thing. And also, hey, do you want to come shooting? You're you're from America, right? So you guys love guns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yes, I very much, I very much kind of uh, chuckled at the well, America and Canada—they're basically the same. They're the same. You all, yeah. you all like guns. Yeah. See, again, it's that it's that point of view of you're the same continent, so you're the same country, right? Because we're one continent, we're a single country, right? <laughs> It's a really unfortunate thing that sort of does apply in the general mindset. <laughs> you know, like, all the Asian people are Chinese, all the European oh, people are French. Yeah, right. Yeah, all right. the South American people are from Brazil, and uh, that's the sort of general assumption. And, like, we understand that there are different countries in this area, but unless you particularly care about that kind of thing, you just don't think about it too much, I guess. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah take him out uh kangaroo hunting and uh you well kangaroo shooting i should say really they're not going to eat these ones um <clears throat> and uh he gets to man the spotlight and immediately nearly blinds dicko with it um <laughs> and uh yeah you get to see how it works you drive out into the middle of nowhere <clears throat> you turn the car off so it doesn't frighten the ruse and then you just scan the spotlight around until you get one in it uh it's intrigued by the bright white light and so it doesn't move and then you shoot it and uh now these guys are particularly cruel right so they shoot it in such a way that it does not immediately die all the kangaroo shooters i have met and the ones i dealt with for my bullet wound class are very professional and make sure to shoot the kangaroo in such a way that it instantaneously dies mm. um but you know they're saying you know we're going to be doing this all night and we want these ones specifically for the pet food industry Right. So we don't want them to die right away because rigor mortis will make them difficult to process. And I'm thinking back to that enormous blender and I'm like, no, nah, man, come on. <laughs> that, that, that blender can take anything. I don't think it matters if the ruse gone a little stiff after eight <laughs> hours hanging from a rack. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, this doesn't sit too well with Carl between that and probably the sausages, honestly. Uh, he has a bit of a, a bit of a vomitous reaction. Um, and, uh, then, um, they do the, the most, the possibly the most dickhead thing possible, which is they, uh, sit him out with the kangaroo that he killed, uh, give him, give him a jacket and then say, cool, we'll be back in like six hours. Yeah. Um, and to be clear, hey, don't do this. It is murderously cold <laughs> at night out there. It is like fully in the negatives, even in the middle of summer because there's no cloud cover and you're in a desert, so it just drops. Um, 
and indeed we see Carl cuddling up to his dead kangaroo for warmth. <laughs> yeah, like a tauntaun. Like a little tauntaun. They are sort of tauntaun shaped. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Move very differently. That's the right. It's the right outline. Um. Uh, he is then sort of later in the night disturbed by the snarling and snuffling of a large wild boar of some kind and then just chased by a herd of pigs yes through the night um but yeah you mentioned that these are very cute pigs these are, are very cute pigs they, they of course they couldn't have borified them up like no, actually no. so it is like it is like the the insane like mastermind boar mm, razorback yeah. and then like yeah. his minions are like like regular escaped pigs it's literally it's literally <laughs> like hey the, the razorback is bowser and these other pigs are mm. shy guys yeah that's, yeah that's it really it really is that stuck yeah and yeah that's the thing is like you you can't use wild pigs to film this because they will just a run all around and disrupt the shot and be probably injure someone yes <laughs> So instead, just, yeah, get a bunch of domestic pigs and make them look as threatening as possible, which is not very... Yeah, I was going to say not at all. These are the, cu- it's yeah. the cutest little, little fucking chase sequence yeah. for your life I've ever seen oh, in a film. What really sells it for me is how well looked after all the pigs look. Like, these are happy and fat pigs. Yes. And, a- and any, clean. any feral pig, and very clean, any feral pig will be none of those three things. Um... <laughs> They they lean up something fierce if they don't uh, have a regular food supply. Um, but yeah, he gets chased up a windmill. Yes. <laughs> uh, and again, classic Australian uh, infrastructure. This thing is so weak as to be possibly knocked over by a few a few pigs sort of leaning up against and going, "Oh, what's up there? Oh, look, it's a man." <laughs> um, and so in the morning. Um, he is knocked fully into this watering hole. <laughs> um, and then we get the, the revelation that pigs can't swim. Um, which doesn't feel right, but I'm not knowledgeable enough to know if that's true. <laughs> I, neither am I. Uh... I'm going to have to look that up. Hold on. Just, <laughs> can pigs swim? Pigs are excellent swimmers. All right. According to... According to a Texas university professor, well, ma- man, man, maybe these pigs shouldn't have, should have been rabid because then they would be hydrophobic. Oh, yeah, yeah, that that would make a lot of sense. God, I'm glad I'm glad rabies isn't really a thing over here. <laughs> oh, gee, yeah, so am I. Honestly, after everything that you've described, that's literally the last thing that your country needs. We don't need that. We've been in an arms war of species for the last million odd years. You don't need anything else. <laughs> um, yeah, excellent. So pigs are excellent swimmers, but for the purposes of this film, pigs can't swim. Yes. I thought this was going to have a greater impact on the plot than it did. Nope. Um, <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, he, he manages to keep away from this ferocious herd of pigs uh, by staying in the water um, even when a decapitated pig head bubbles up yeah <laughs> from underneath underneath the surface um and uh he then goes through the um 
I don't want to say the classic Australian Outback spiritual journey. <laughs> I was actually I did, thinking that <laughs> myself. I did recently rewatch um John Oliver forever ago did a spot on Australian gun control and he did this exact sequence. <laughs> <laughs> like it is like just replace all the boar imagery with a guy in a kangaroo suit. Mm-hmm. And that's that's young John Oliver just stumbling around. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> this this sequence is wild. It goes on for mm. a while, but it is like fascinating and really imaginative. Yeah. We have it's like really the, good the weird matte painting crack on one side while he's walking yeah. through the desert. Um, mm. He doesn't have any shoes anymore, nope. so he's like wrapping his feet up, and they're awful and bloody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and That's while he's right. While he's doing so, a skeletal horse bursts from the ground and chases after him. While another skeletal horse laughs in the background. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It is some wild imagery. I love it. Yeah, it's, once again, it's very, like, Sam Raimi, like, early Sam Raimi, very Mm. early Peter Jackson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, like... And it, and they you know they get to get away with putting the sequence in because he's uh um uh turning into dust literally as he exists. Mm. Yeah, dehydration is one hell of a drug. Ah <laughs> 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 oh, man, and uh, he manages to stumble very luckily uh through a barbed wire fence to get <sighs> onto someone's property. Yep. Uh and uh interrupts uh Sarah Cameron. Uh, not Sarah Connor, um, <laughs> Sarah Cameron, who is uh, taking a shower beneath her water tower. Um, ag- again, as you do, um, if before, look, not everywhere has a lot of internal plumbing. Right. <laughs> Especially not out in these areas where there's no reason to run a pipe, you know, the, the thousand kilometers out to this town. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead you just have a big old water tower and maybe some piping to get some into your house, to, like run the taps and stuff. But if you want a shower, it's way easier to just open the grate at the bottom of the water tower. <laughs> and uh, cause there's no one within, within 20 Ks of you. Why not just do it out in the garden? And the answer is because a, cause a dehydrated hallucinating man might stumble onto your property and scare the ever loving crap out of you. Yep. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we're introduced to Sarah Cameron. She's a friend of Jake's who's been doing a study for the government on the feral pig population in the area. Uh, again, real thing. Um, we've got <laughs> we've got a lot of great government wildlife studies. Um, my favorite is that in Western Australia we have an early warning system for yellow fever, uh, which uses chickens as the early warning indicator. Oh, cool. Just... Someone gets paid to keep chooks and just test their blood for antigens <laughs> because the chooks will get bit by the mosquitoes first. <laughs> so, like, external coal mine mm. canaries. Yeah, yeah. This this chicken will protect us from the blood-borne illnesses. Oh, man. <laughs> um, although in this case, it's more of a gotta-make-sure-these-feral-pigs-don't-destroy-the-local-economy kind of study, I believe. Right. Because, you know, you're either farming or you're mining out here. You're not doing much else um, unless you're the guy who runs the only industry, which is the pub. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't have much else to do. Um, she's been studying the local pig population. She's also the only person who believes Jake's story about the giant Razorback. 
Um, and uh, in particular, she believes it partly because the pigs have been going nuts lately. Um, they found a pig with a stress ulcer, if you could believe it. Uh, and they've also been cannibalizing. Uh, some some outside force has been really laying the pressure on this little piggy society. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, during his massive hallucination sequence and while being chased through the night by uh, a flock of wild pigs, uh, Carl may or may not have seen the Razorback. Uh, so as soon as, as soon as, uh, Jake learns about that, uh, he sort of runs off ready to, uh, ready to take it, take it down as it were. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he's dead set on his revenge. He's running off. Sarah's a little more, uh, on the ball about this, you know, take this rifle with a tracking dart as well. Yes. You know, if you can't finish it off, we should be able to at least follow it. And, uh, also calls in to the only local police officer by radioing the pub. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's like, and very cryptically implies that, uh, she knows what happens to Beth Winters, like, and Jake's gone to sort it out, uh, which, uh, <laughs> Benny and Dicko are here because they're just sitting in the pub having a drink because there's nothing else to do. Right. Um, if you're not busy shooting kangaroos or doing some other kind of labor, um, pretty they they they're pretty sure that Jake's like going to pin Beth Winter's death on them because it is absolutely their fault. Yep. Um, they 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 caused this, uh, and so they go off to deal with the problem. Uh. Jake sets himself up by the watering hole. We get a couple of good panning shots of the flock of pigs, the herd yes. of pigs, I don't know what to call this. And just in the back behind a bush, there's like this large square object. <laughs> and as we sort of focus in, that's that's not a that's not a rectangle. That is a pig tangle. Um, the world's hugest ball, <laughs> just hanging out yeah. behind the behind his swarm of minions <laughs> at the watering hole. <laughs> Again, this thing looks fantastic in every shot it's in. Yeah. I love the Razorback. It is the blockiest animal imaginable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, he manages to shoot it with a... Well, he gets a couple of shots on it, which don't really do much. Right. And then he hits it with a tracking dart and uh, eventually sort of drives it off um and he finds Beth's wedding ring uh not actually her wedding ring her anniversary gift ring in uh in the razorback dung gives it back to Carl who obviously fully begins the grieving process because a pig ate his wife yes <laughs> fully fully begins oh. the grieving process which is a pig mm. ate my wife but Sarah's really cute because it's the yeah. 80s it's the eighties. Look, look, hot young lady, naked in the first shot she's in. Good, good, because of course, goodbye, <laughs> goodbye, old wife. Hello, new wife. Hello, new exotic foreign wife. Wife, yes, which is also very eighties, to be perfectly yeah, oh, honest. Yeah. It's it's the most eighties. Um, <laughs> and uh, so Jake is back camping out, uh, waiting for signs of the boar. He's waiting for boar sign. Um, <laughs> there's an alternate world where this is done in the style of June, and I'd actually really love that. Um, 
We have we have Borside. <laughs> uh, and Benny and Dicko attack him in the night, uh, knock him out, and then break his legs with a pair of bolt cutters. Yeah. Not like by the cutting motion, just using them as a bludgeoning instrument. Yes. Um, and again, real serious stuff. Just one of the most, again, funny to me reaction cuts where he wakes up and looks down as like just <laughs> ah, into the sky. Yeah. <laughs> as he sort of gets fade transitioned out. <laughs> Which is also kind of wild wild because they kind of set that reaction up because mm. they since they knock him out, they're like, well he won't feel it and feel it. Mm. And they're like, well he will if he wakes up and before the boar gets him, before yeah. the razorback gets him, only for that to be the thing that actually happens. Yeah. Yeah, they they called it a hundred percent. Um, unable to move, he sends his dog off to go get Sarah. Uh, spider. Uh, so this oh. really upset me, yeah. too. Yeah. Because I was, like, fully expecting that, like, how it happens. But mm. no, it's not. No. No. Um, the the dog has the great unfortunate, uh, unfortunate circumstance of running along the side of the road while Benny is driving. And uh, Benny just for the hell of it, runs over the dog. Because, again, he's just that kind of really messed up person. Yep. Um, I mean, yeah. Not specifically with dogs, but there are definitely people who do this. Mm. Again, it's just animal cruelty is a way of life for some people, and I hate that. Yep. Um, And so, with definitely no help coming, uh, Jake is just dragged himself, like, 50 yards across open mud, and, like, bore bore shit to the pumping station to try and get some water upon which the Razorback immediately attacks the station. (laughs) Yeah. With a really great shot because they keep Mm. like the exterior while he's climbing up, uh, crawling up the door Mm. doesn't have like a lock or a hinge or anything. So it's just flapping open, repeated open and shut repeatedly makes his way in. He's underneath some dripping water. The door is still flapping. And I, I, you know, we all knew what was going to happen, but it's still yeah. executed really well where it swings open and there's the Razorback. <laughs> yep, there it is. Uh, and it indeed does get him. He doesn't manage to get his revenge. No. Uh, again, subverting expectations. <laughs> yep. Really, really expected this movie to end with Jake uh, shooting the boar at the particular point of its head that makes it explode <laughs> or whatever, like the end of Jaws. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, Sarah is dropping Carl off at the bus station um, so that he can return to America. Incidentally, worst bus station I've ever seen. It is a sign <laughs> in the middle of the road. With no shelter, it's the middle of the day. It must be like forty-five degrees Celsius, which is like up in the one twenties for you guys. <laughs> it's just just leaves there. Like he'll be fine. The bus will come eventually. Yeah. <laughs> but driving back, she sees the dog dead on the side of the road. Immediately wheels back, grabs Carl, and we got to go check on Jake. Uh, Jake is very dead. Yes. The Razorback definitely got him. Um, but as a clue, in the dirt nearby are a series of long scratches, uh, which Carl has a flashback to uh, Benny just throwing his cleaver at the ground yep. during the kangaroo hunt, because this man is incredibly violent and loves to throw things. Um, 
and so sort of deduces that uh they were responsible for Jake's death and the only reason they'd be responsible for Jake's death is uh Sarah on the radio saying Jake knows what happens to happen to Beth Winters which means they're probably responsible for his wife's death yes and goes on the classic movie rampage uh in that he crashes a truck into their into their camp mm-hmm. <laughs> And when Dicko comes out saying, hey, you can't park here, man, <laughs> effectively, yes. uh, just starts shooting at him. <laughs> yes. Uh, also, at this point, um, mm. uh, he's, he's, he, uh, Carl is dressed like Ash from Evil Dead, suddenly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He really, he really sort of amped up his style for the, for the revenge sequence of this film. Yes. Uh, so while while he's doing this, Sarah is off, sort of is essentially rousing a posse. You know, Jake Cullen's dead. He was actually killed by a giant boar, but he got a tracker on it. Mm. Let's go get this thing. And everyone's into this. Uh-huh. Everyone is so into this. I love it. Um, this is a community of shooters. <laughs> everyone has a gun, and uh, everyone has a ride except for the pub, <laughs> the publican, mm-hmm. um, who has to hitch a ride on a dromedary camel. Yes. Um. <laughs> Which, which, which again, was set up earlier in the movie. <laughs> yeah, set up earlier in the movie. Not out of not out of style for rural Australia. Uh, we have one of the largest free camel populations in the world. Now that is something that I did know about Australia. Actually, They're not native. <laughs> yep. They just live. They they just fantastically well adapted for Central Australia. Uh-huh. <laughs> so there they live. They're not. As big of a problem as the kangaroos, but that's because we've been more on top of that. We have also had camel cults. Nice. Uh, we also sell them to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> we export camels yeah. and sand to countries that already have an excess of both those things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's like better quality or something, but they they want them and we don't need them. So <laughs> off they go. <laughs> Oh man, um, the posse uh, manages to surround the dreaded Razorback. Everyone jumps out of hiding, uh, only to find the world's cutest piglet. Yep, um, which Sarah had been tagging earlier in the film <laughs> uh, because you know there's there's two tracking signals. They accidentally followed the wrong one, but everyone assumes this is just a tale of uh, a tale of two porkies uh, in terms of the big lie. Um, God, I must sound incomprehensible to certain people at the moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they, they assumed she was blowing smoke up their ass uh, and that she was lying about the giant pig. And so everyone decides to go home. Um, meanwhile, we zoom in on the menacing track icon showing that the boar has gone to the pet pack. Yes. Um, which, incidentally, I, I got to say, I really appreciate the tech here because it is a computer monitor that tracks it's like got a little glowing pixel to track the 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 beacon mm-hmm. but to actually localize and understand any geography they have a thin sheet that they lay over the screen yes. with the actual map on it mm-hmm. and i love that so much that, that again it's it's how it was it's it's very good <laughs> it's excellent <laughs> um yeah uh carl uh pursues um god benny pursues benny um through the opal mines which is what this cratered landscape is you dig a little hole and you go down a little bit and see if you get anything and if not 
you go three feet to the left and do it again. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and uh, Benny manages to sort of hide in one of the actual shafts and sort of spring out and attack Carl with a hook. Uh, and not a great idea because then he just lowers him into the mine shaft yes. and starts questioning him because uh, it's a long drop. I'll, I'll tell you that much. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, um, Dicko is back at the cannery, of course, <clears throat> getting ready for the evening of work. And that's all Carl needs to know. Uh, just thinks about cutting the line uh, that Benny's holding on to thinks better of it, just walks off, and about three seconds later, the line unspools itself anyway. Yep. <laughs> well, that way our, our hero didn't technically murder anybody. Yeah, no no cold-blooded murder here. <laughs> just just born. Just, just criminal indifference. Criminal indifference, yes. That's, that's a nice turn of phrase. I like that. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so Carl makes his way out to the cannery, uh, corners Dicko, and then the pig appears. Yep. Pig is here. It mauls Dicko straight to death. Uh, and then uh, Carl is chased into the factory. Uh, Sarah ends up, you know, the posse breaks up. She heads home, checks the track, and goes, of course it's at the pet pack. <laughs> Comes back, uh, and goodness. <laughs> and uh, Carl is sort of screaming for her to to get the hell out of there, because the Razorback is here. Uh, she instead runs in, and uh, we get a fantastic sort of stalker sequence through the pet pack. Mm -hmm. Again, really glad they got the full use out of this set, because this is really excellent with all the variety of, like, textures and objects mm -hmm. and uh, particle effects, I want to say, it's like smoke and steam and leaky just red pipes. and blue lighting, le leaky pipes. This is an absolutely fantastic sequence. Um, <clears throat> we even get a uh, a callback to traditional boar hunting, which I really appreciated. Um, at one point, the Razorback charges Carl, and he manages to snatch up a piece of scaffolding with sort of a little broken cross bit near the tip. Mm -hmm. uh, and the boar charging him impales itself ah, on yes. that, uh, which is the, the, the classical boar hunting method of a boar spear, which is a big, broad-bladed spear with a with a hilt right below the blade to stop the pig from just running down the length of the spear and still killing you. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> uh, it also gets electrocuted as it manages to ram its tusks through a generator. Yep. <laughs> and, and, um, and begins yeah. the Resident Evil lab countdown explosion timer. Yeah, for the... yeah as, as, the, uh, as the boiler begins to go into critical overdrive. Mm -hmm. Uh, but also, that means everything's turned on, including the conveyor belt covered in meat that leads to the world's biggest blender. Yep. <laughs> and man, uh, Carl just straight up lures that pig into the world's biggest blender. <laughs> he he, do, he does the Japanese anime butt slap, and that's yeah. the pig's demise. And I think yeah. that yeah. might actually be the funniest thing that I've ever seen. <laughs> It was so good. The The one thing I think could have improved this is the ball goes through the grinder fully. I wanted the grinder to stop, like get clogged up like halfway through. Uh -huh. So it was just the ball head. So you would have that perfect comparison point with uh, all the other Razorback heads we saw earlier. 
I think would have been good, but instead it just sort of disappears into the mincing blades, which, I mean, hunt through it, you'd probably find the tusks or something to, like, prove that the boar existed. But as it is, this this scene turns the boar into a cryptid. There's no evidence of his existence anymore. Um, <laughs> and uh, Carl manages to find Sarah tangled up in a whole bunch of chains and momentarily assumes she is straight up dead, begins the morning process anew, and then she wakes up, and it's all good. <laughs> sure, Jake's dead, your wife's dead, uh, Benny and Dicko are both dead. A little less sad about that. Uh, but uh, the the boar is slain. Yes, the boar is slain. He managed to stop the self-destruct sequence. Um, yes, by uh, percussive maintenance. Yep. Just hit it with a stick until it stops overheating. <laughs> uh, release the pressure. Yeah. The boar, the boar <laughs> is minced like Leon if you missed that QTE in Resident mm-hmm. Evil 6. <laughs> yep, yep. Down the, down, the, down the sink blender you go. <laughs> God. Yeah, this film was really fun. It was. Um, it's like, it's the Australian version of camp horror i think yes. is sort of what this is playing into um because again the, you you talked earlier about this potentially being offensive problem is we love shit like this <laughs> <laughs> well all right it's very hard it's very hard to make something like this and for some then for most australians to go actually that feels kind of crude and off-putting as a stereotype we go no man it was it was absolutely like that and we love this shit <laughs> um <laughs> Well, I feel it was yeah, it was fun. I feel much better <laughs> about this film in general than um, yeah. not that I didn't like it. I thought it, I mm. I did actually really enjoy it. Once again, it's really it's it's shot really well. It's got some yeah. really fantastic transitions. Yes. Um, throughout, uh, once again, that hallucination sequence is kind of amazing, uh, especially mm. because it comes out of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this this movie's kind of amazing so i'm glad that it's, it's not offensive <laughs> no like we're we're a nation that treasures crocodile dundee as a film <laughs> like true. this is exactly our stuff <laughs> um yeah no i i had not seen this before actually so I'd, I'd always heard about it and just never gotten around to watching it so i'm glad i did because it was fun it was a good time and yeah that boar is really impressive yeah. as, as an animatronic I'm really glad they went full practical. Uh, they didn't have much of a choice. It was the early eighties. You could do like a paint, a paint over, I guess, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's fantastically, like you said, shot, good transitions. And it's nice. It's, it's, it's bright and colorful when it needs to be. And it's like dark. And I, I like that the dark scenes are blue. They're not black. Yes. So you can still sort of see what's going on, but it really gives the, the sense of how dark and cold it is you know, late at night out in the trees or late at night in the pet pack. <laughs> oh, and yeah. It is worth noting that the, mm. uh, the creator of the animatronics, Bob McCarran, uh, I believe, mm. uh, worked on uh, Dark City and The Matrix after this. Well, so. <laughs> there you go. That's where it's coming from. <laughs> but yeah, um, that was that was the prophet, uh, not the prophecy. That was prophecy. Very, yeah, Christopher very confusing. Not Christopher Walken. Oh uh, uh, man, what uh, if, that <laughs> prophecy and Razorback, good pairing. What if uh, <laughs> instead of Frank Welker, who was the voice of the bear in Prophecy, it had been voiced by Christopher Walken? <laughs> uh, 
Arrar. Uh, I can't do a good walking. Uh, but that was a fantastic snaggle bus. Improvement. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, definitely watch Razorback if you haven't. Maybe watch Prophecy if you're kind of into the idea of it. Um, or you can just search uh, Prophecy 1979 and the first autofill will be Sleeping Bag. <laughs> yes. Uh, and you can watch the best the one, 40 yeah. seconds of cinema. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The one, the one decent scene. Yeah. yeah. So Razorback was also based off of a well, this Razorback was based off of a novel mm. rather than oh. being yeah. another screenplay. So I I didn't get a chance to read that oh, unfortunately. Cool. But um the oh. writer of that was I also believe um tangentially involved in the film. But okay. the thing was the that's, good. the uh that's an American writer, so it's really weird. So I, I, I mm. want to read the novel now to see if it's like <laughs> If it's yeah. a one to one, then you had a really good grasp of like Australia, <laughs> right? I I have a feeling <laughs> that it was like a typical animal horror novel, just written with Australian set dressing, and then an Australian director came and went, "We can amp this up. <laughs> we, we can do this. The ridiculous, yeah. yeah we, we have the, the uh, we have the DP from <laughs> Mad Max Two. We got this, <laughs> yeah." Um, I do believe actually that the director of Razorback also did Highland. <laughs> Well, there you go. Russell, Russell Mulcahy, Mulcahy uh, yeah, directed Highlander as well as Resident Evil Extinction. Wow. Ugh. Maybe not that one, but... Uh... <laughs> oh, and, and, also, and also directed the video for Video Killed the Radio Star. Yeah, yeah, that sounds okay, about right. that feels appropriate. Fast cuts, tracking shot, glowing lights, oh. neo-noir lighting... Wind wind blown drapery and fans. That's his style, definitely. <laughs> also, that explains the use of a Duran Duran song in the mm. film as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> God. All right. Uh, unless you two have anything to add, I think we can sort of wrap it up into admin. The the only thing that I have to add is apparently this film was also released on my birthday when I was two years old. So there's that. Yay. <laughs> It's Leonard's birthday film. <laughs> yeah. Birthday you got. Yep. Happy birthday to year old. Watch this and never come to this country. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'll be visiting this in 40 years. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> I've, well, I've taken notes. I know, I know, mm. uh, uh, some, some tips and tricks to not get murdered in your uh, country. That seems to want to end all human life <laughs> that has invaded it. So, yeah, look, the, the indigenous population were doing fine. The, it's just not well suited to us. Right, apparently. <laughs> they didn't have problems with Razorbacks because they didn't introduce feral pigs. Yep. <laughs> Who could have guessed? It's so easy. Um, and here we well, are. Although, I guess, you know, they, 30, they introduced dogs. And then we dogs. got dingoes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so we'll wrap that up here. Uh, you can find the show on Twitter at mon underscore d monster or online at monsterdeer.monster. Uh, please send us suggestions for future things to watch or feedback for episodes. We love to hear from our listeners. You can find me currently on Twitter at night underscore twitten. That's night without a K for, again, it's for as long as Twitter remains a thing that is usable. Um, or you can find me... Uh, you can find me on Tumblr at Swarby Blogs if you want to just see me reblog a bunch of stuff. That's about it. 
Um, Leonard, where can we find you? Yes, they can find me on Twitter by searching uh, Dr. Faust is Dead, and they can find my video essay work on YouTube by also searching Dr. Faust is Dead. Dave? You can still find me on Twitter for a while, I guess. I think I think everyone's slowly... It's been a... Mm, definitely slow. It's just like away. waves, waves of migrating elsewhere. Yeah. 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 But I'm I'm on there at Sentinel underscore plus for the time being until mm. it just becomes utterly unusable. It's it's getting there. It's trying real hard to not work. But they're doing their best. <laughs> I don't know. I think he can try harder. <laughs> yeah, oh, he will. <laughs> he will. He will try harder to make everyone hate the site even more. Mm. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, and you can find our uh, currently absent co host, Matt, uh, at Ugly Machine basically anywhere, I believe. Except for Twitter. <laughs> yes. Except for Twitter. Don't find him there. Uh, but check out his stuff. Yeah, I think, I'm, I think cool he has metal Instagram. I'm trying to remember now. Yeah, he definitely has a Tumblr. Yeah, it's Tumblr. It's Tumblr, <laughs> not Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed because uh, we definitely did. And we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Goodbye, everyone. Monster Dear Monster is brought to you by Fireheart Media. If you enjoyed the show, please share this and all of our episodes with friends. And remember to rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice. Word of mouth is the only way we grow. If you like, you can also kick us a few bucks to help us keep the lights on at ko-fi.com slash fireheartmedia. Check out our other show, Jalachan's Place, at www.jalachan.place.